Blog Talk Radio.
through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Hallelujah. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit through the fire of the Holy Spirit, he is showing his loving kindness. He is drawing people back to his son because no one comes to the son unless the father brings them. And that's exactly what is going on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He is drawing people to his son because time has ran out. We're in the last day, brothers and sisters. This is the last day. And if this day finish, the trumpet sound and the rapture happened and the tribulation begins, brothers and sisters, hang on to Jesus. Hang on to the Lord. Don't give up for anyone or anything. Praise the Lord. The devil will do anything to have you stay because that will give him more opportunity to attack you, more chances for you to deny God, more chances for you to deny your faith, more chances for you get, for you to get the mark of the beast, more chances for you walking away from God. And that's what he wants, for you to become an unbeliever. Hallelujah. I will come without faith. Be living and walking without faith is what the devil wants. God wants you to walk by faith. But the devil wants you to walk without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Thank you, Lord. The devil knows that pretty well. He knows that very, very well. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hallelujah. Because if anyone is going to come to God, he must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Again, says the prophet Isaiah, I will build thee. Hallelujah. You see that we are so broken by sin that God needs to build us. And it has to be with loving kindness. Some people are so broken these last days that only the loving kindness of Christ, the loving kindness of Father God can build them. Oh, my God, only that love, only that loving kindness can build them back to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And it is available in Christ. Against I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Not only will he build you, but he will build you so good that he will make you pure. He will make you righteous. He will make you holiness. He will make you righteous. Standing with God, I thank you, Jesus. As he builds your life, building your life is removing the things in your life that are not pleasing to him. And sin is not pleasing to him. The only thing pleasing to him is obedience, is sanctification, is pureness and holiness and right standing with him. Thank you, Jesus, in his hour. I thank you, Lord. So we need to be built. Hallelujah. By his righteousness, through his loving kindness. Thank you, Joseph. He will build up. That thou shalt again be a boy with thy timbrel, and should go forward and dance. Hallelujah. Then that make thee merry. Praise the Lord. Jesus wants to be married to us. Hallelujah. 
In another word, he wants to be in relationship. Thank you, Lord. Verse 5, that, that thou should yet plumb bind upon mountain of Samaria in the plants that shall plant and shall eat them and hallelujah as common things. Your abundance, your food to eat, God wants it to be as a common thing that you will not want anything in him, but that you will have abundance because God will lead you to worship him and thank him for his mercy and grace. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to purify us. He wants to make us ready for the rapture. And this is the time that we need to be ready for the rapture, that our life needs to be ready for the rapture, because this is the time of the rapture. There is not another time under heaven. There has not been another time in history like this time that you and I are in. This is the time of the Messiah. This is the time of Jesus. This is the time. This is our time. This is your time, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. Don't waste it. Don't waste time. But take advantage of the time to seek God, to come close to your Creator, to come in relationship with your Creator, to work with your relationship with your Creator one on one. Thank you, Jesus. Loving Him, knowing that He loves you more. Love God. Fall in love with Jesus and know that He loves you more. There's no way you can love him more. He loves you more because he loves you first. He offered himself first before you can say, I love you, Jesus. He already, he already has proven his love to you on the cross. I thank you, Jesus. He already proven his love to you. Now it's our turn to prove our love to him, to suffer for his name, to suffer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, to endure to persevere, to go through anything, to carry a cross as he carry his own cross. Oh, God, if you help him, hallelujah, but he's willing to help you and I, that I know he is so willing to help us, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He is, hallelujah, so willing to help us. For there should be a day that the watchman, hallelujah, oh, he always talks about this day. I read it in Isaiah. I read it in, in, in Jeremiah now. He always talks about that day. And this is the day, brothers and sisters. For there should be a day that the watchman upon my Ephraim should cry, Arise ye, and let us go unto Zion, unto the Lord our God. This is the day when the people of God, with the people as being pointing to the Messiah, are being pointing to the God, to arise, to arise, to wash, to wake up to the hour, because we are in the late hour, we are in the end hour, we are in the late, hallelujah, end hour. Thank you, Jesus, that we need to be wake up. We need to be awake. We need to be rise, rise. Thank you, Lord. Rise your head. Look into the Lord looking for his coming. Arise, he said. Thank you, Jesus. You need to arise in the Lord. You need to get up. You need to get up from sin. You need to arise from sin. Don't be stuck in the sinful life. Hallelujah. But repent your sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I have sinned. I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. Cleanse me. Purify me. Get me right you ready, Lord. I'm sorry. I want to be right you ready, Jesus. Get me right 
Jesus. Get me ready to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to escape the damnation that is coming. I want to escape the tribulation that is coming. The evil one is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that ye may have life and have it abundantly. There is abundant life in Christ. Arise, arise, my brother and sister. There is abundant life in Christ. Verse 7, for thou says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob, and shall among the chief of the nation proclaim ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, say thy people, the remnant of Israel. This is the time when the bride of Christ needs to be praying for Israel more than ever in history, because the time for Israel has come, and the Messiah, as he takes us home, and Israel see that great sign of the rapture, they are going to mourn, they're going to cry, they're going to question and say, this can only be done by God. Thank you, Lord. Remember, Nicodemus talking to Jesus, brothers and sisters, and John, praise you, Lord. What did he say to, to Jesus? It is so interesting what he said. Thank you, Lord. Look what he said in John 3, 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God. For no man can do this miracle that thou, uh, that thou dost unless God be with him. What is the word of God teaching us? that the Jewish people don't believe in extraterrestrial beings. They don't believe in that. And so when the rapture happens, this is exactly what the Jewish people are going to say. Praise the Lord amongst each other. They're going to say about Jesus exactly what they said about him two, over 2,000 years ago. For no man can do this miracle that thou dost Unless God be with him. There is no way these people that went home in the rapture can guide themselves to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and go to heaven unless Jesus himself, God himself, Emmanuel, Yahweh, has done this for them to be taken to heaven. Praise the Lord. This has to be the work of God in this place. This is not the work of men. And then they're going to begin. This is going to be the light at the end of the tunnel that is going to lead the Jewish people to believe in Jesus as a rabbi, but not just as a rabbi, because they believe he was a rabbi. They call him rabbi. Nicodemus call him rabbi. They're going to call him Messiah. They're finally going to see him after who he is. He is a great rabbi. But he is also the Messiah of the Jewish people, the Messiah of Jacob. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. And they're going to be awakened. Hallelujah. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I said unto thee, Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? He is focusing on salvation. He is focusing that this man, his message is salvation, that this man needs salvation. Okay, this is a great wonder. I know what I'm doing, Nicodemus. Praise you, God. But it's not about the signs. It's about the unique salvation. 
Praise the Lord. It's like when Jesus took me to the tribulation the other day, it says to me, what is more important to you now? As I saw people turning into zombies, I saw people turning into bees. Praise the Lord. And I'm like over there like, wow, what is this? And the Lord said, what is more important to you now? Oh, it came so clear. What is more important than money, than houses, than land, than anything else? We want, brothers and sisters, salvation becomes more important because if our, if our life is ready with God, if we are ready to go home in the rapture, we will not see the tribulation. We will not end up in the tribulation. We will not stay in the tribulation. We have no business in the tribulation. Praise you, Lord. If our life is ready, if our salvation is secure with Christ, praise you, Lord. But it's up to, our, it's up to the bride to prepare. It's up to the bride to repent. It's up to the bride to see God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Salvation is a free gift from God. But you need to repent. You need to see God. Praise you, Lord. You need to be holy and righteous before his presence. I thank you, Jesus. You need to be holy and righteous before the presence of mighty God, before the presence of mighty Messiah, Jesus. That you are found worthy to escape. But when he when he comes, when the trumpet sounds, ye are found worthy to escape. Your life is ready to go home. You are ready. The Holy Spirit is in you. Remember, I shared this on the Lord's Tower many months ago. Many years ago. As I was walking with the Lord. But there were things in my life I knew would not be were not. We're not pleasing to God. I was questioning my own salvation. And I was praying to Jesus. And I said, Lord, how did I know that I'm going home in the rapture? And I kept asking the Lord for an answer. I kept seeking the Lord for an answer. And I said, Lord, how do I know I am ready for the rapture? And Jesus spoke to me one night. And said to me, if my Holy Spirit is on you when the trumpet sounds, you are coming home with me. If my Holy Spirit is on you when I come, you are coming home with me. Praise the Lord. That made it so clear to me, brothers and sisters. That is the oil. That is missing in many lives, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't dwell just in any vessel. But God, hallelujah, will not reject anyone. He can put it in any vessel, too, who repent, who come to the Lord, who humble. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. There was a man of God that was taken to heaven, and that was shown to him in heaven. Not everything that moves in the church is the Holy Spirit. And he was like, what? And the Lord showed him from heaven. Many that claim to have the Holy Spirit who don't have it. They don't have it. And he was shocked to the core of his being. He said, how can this be happening? And he saw Christians who claim to have the Holy Spirit sinning. And sinning, and sinning, 
in the hiding place, in the dark, where no one can see them, but God can see them. But the devil had to see them. They thought they were right. They thought they cannot lose their salvation. But they had no Holy Spirit in them. Praise you, Lord. Who do we lie to? Who do we kill? We cannot hide from the eyes of God. God knows everything. And these people claim to be speaking in tongues. And he saw them talking amongst each other. But I was shown to him from heaven that they did not have the Holy Spirit. How this can be? Brothers and sisters, pray about it. Pray about it. They, some people can memorize tongues and repeat them. There are so many ways. I don't want to go in details. I don't want to sin against the Holy Spirit of God. But I just tell you what was revealed to this man of God. Praise you, Lord. There's many come to say in the last days. Many are being deceived. Many are being misled. There's a lot of people that claim to have the Holy Spirit. They, they are satanic church. They speak in tongues supposedly. They worship the devil. And they, they can show people speaking in tongues. There's a lot of counterfeit on earth these days. That's why many people can be deceived. Praise the Lord because people follow the gifts. If someone speaks in tongues, they run to that person. If someone speak, speaks prophecy, they run to that person. Praise you, Lord, and they're following signs. Don't follow signs. The Lord will lead you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to all truth. If you have the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to all truth. Be ye not deceived, says the Lord. In Matthew 24, thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. There will be people. I saw people in the tribulation that ended up staying, following leaders and pastors down here. They're sorry to tell you. Praise you, Lord. They claim to be men of God. Praise you, Lord. But they stay in the tribulation. And one that sounds so sweet, and hallelujah, a pastor that sounds so sweet in his message, where so many people follow him. I saw him in the tribulation. And I walked to the middle of his service. And I said, how long are you going to continue to lie to these people? And he says, what are you talking about, Elvie? How do he knew my name? I don't know. But I say, how, how long are you going to continue to lie to these people? They follow you before the tribulation. Now they are in the tribulation with you, and they can see all the evil going around. And they're still following you. Praise the Lord. He says, I will ask you kindly to get out of my church, he says. But he said, before I leave, I want to show these people that you are fake. And I walked to him. And I said, demon, that is send this man, deceiving and lying demon. Show yourself right now in the name of the Lord. And he tried to lie. But his eyes became, hallelujah, his eyes began to change. His body began to tremble. I was speaking to him under the power of the Lord. And the demon started manifesting itself. And because in the tribulation, people will see demons. The demon started coming out of him. 
And the demon said, how do you know I was in this body? I said that the servant of the Lord in me. Come out of this body. Right in front of the congregation. And I can hear people say, we didn't know he had a demon. I can see people saying one another, let's get out of here. He's been demon possessed. He likes us. He deceives us. Be ye not deceived. Brothers and sisters, there are people demon possessed teaching the word. Be ye not deceived. Misleading people. That's why people don't know what to believe anymore. Because they got the Bible in the hand. But they are demon possessed. They're demon possessed, brothers and sisters. And I, in the Lord, the sermon He has given me. If I, if I put on one of the message, I can feel the demonic message coming out of them. I can, I can feel it. But that's what people wants to follow. Those are the people, people, the multitude follow wants to listen to, because they talk so much logic, with such a great wisdom and understanding. But it's, it's not wisdom. It is only knowledge that they're giving people. They're not giving people no revelation. They're not leading people in relationship with the Lord. They're only leading people with knowledge, but not the knowledge that comes from heaven, the knowledge of this earth, the knowledge that will not get you in relationship with God. God, have mercy. Praise you, Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Be careful. Trust the Lord always. Praise you, Lord. Even if I bring you a message, you should have to go to the Lord about it. If I'm preaching something and you feel that it's it not of God, take it in prayer. Take it in prayer with the Lord and ask the Lord. You will not offend me if you go to the Lord. If you say, Brother Elby, I need to pray to see if this is from God, you will not offend me. You will make me happy. A lot of people get surprised, even on the phone. People have spoken with me about this. It says, you said something that I, I don't think is of God. I'm going to pray about it. And I said, no, yeah, that's right. Do it. Seek God about it. And they're like, smile like, oh, well, someone else with a guy I'm offended. Why are you not offended, brother? Ali? And I said, why would I be? Praise the Lord. I want you to hear from the Lord about my message, my teaching. Because once the Lord confirms them to you, your doubt, if the devil cannot use doubt and unbelief now against you because the Lord already has confirmed it to you. Thank you, Lord. This is not about Elvi. It's not about you. This is all about Jesus and his message of salvation. And if we are walking with Jesus, Jesus doesn't have a problem confirming your message. I had asked the Lord several times already, will you confirm this to your people? He said, yes, he said. And he has done this so many times with pastor, ministry, prophet, people of God. They go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is and the Lord say, yes, it's mine. And then they have peace about it and they walk with God. I was a brother. I, I shared a brother from France. He went to heaven to a brother that I know. Ask Jesus in heaven. If I was preaching his message, Jesus looked at him and said, yes, he is preaching the message I'm giving him to preach. And then they have peace about it. And heaven in the third heaven, brothers and sisters. So don't be surprised with you. I'm here. Jesus is confirming it to you. Jesus are confirming it to them in the third heaven. And then they contacted me. I had a brother for days trying to contact me, praise the Lord, just to tell me that, that in heaven Jesus told him 
that I was preaching his message and that the Lord's hour was the program he was using to prepare people for the rapture. And I said, oh, thank you for that confirmation, brother. When he told me this on the phone, I said, thank you, brother. This is exactly what Jesus told me years ago. And I'm glad he confirmed it to me again through you, brother. Praise the Lord. But people think I'm going to be offended. No, I will be happy. You'll make me happy if you go to Jesus about anything I say, anything I teach, everything I preach. Praise the Lord. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about him saving souls, bringing us to heaven. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. The glory goes to him, not to me or anybody else. Brothers and sisters, if, if this is message, he's going to confirm it. Thank you, Lord. And he has been confirming it so far. Thank you, Jesus. And people have been coming so close with God in their relationship. As they've been listening to the Lord's hour, now some can hear Jesus speaking to them audible. They're like, oh, man, I want to get Bobby for so long. And God used your program to get my life ready so I can hear the Lord now. I said, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Because when you receive by faith, when you listen by faith, he will prepare your life to make you ready for the rapture, to bring you closer to him and relationship. I thank you, Jesus. He will do that. The Lord will do that. The Holy Spirit will do that in your life. If you call unto him, he will answer. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. He loves us so much, brothers and sisters. He wants to take us to heaven. He don't want us to stay down here because since the garden is in heaven, what God meant for us to have from the beginning, we messed it up. And now God has given us a second chance to go home in the rapture and enjoy that beautiful garden when, when nothing we will lack, nothing. All we have is abundance, presence of God, more of God, the glory of God goes there forever. So much of Jesus, so much revelation of Jesus. No one will ever need to teach you. You will never have to have a preacher. You have God himself teaching you. What's better than that, brothers and sisters? What is better than that? They have God himself teach you. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to teach you himself. He wants to make you his disciple. When he chose, brothers and sisters, 12 disciples to teach them the, the word, praise you, Lord. This is what he said to the, the, the people that believe in him. Hallelujah. Before he left, he wanted to make it, make it clear to them. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is what he said. In John, John 8, 30, as he spoke these words, many believe in him. Then he said, then said Jesus to the Jew who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciple indeed. What constitutes that we are a true disciple of Christ if we continue in his word? This is a daily work of Christ. You need to every day, brothers and sisters, come with us together as disciples of Christ. And as the Lord brings his word and his revelation, we walk, walk with Christ together. If you, want, if you want to fellowship with us, you are welcome. If you want more grace, if you want a relationship with Christ, you are welcome to listen to this program. You are welcome to join us, to fellowship with us. 
Praise you, Lord. We won't criticize you. We will not judge you. We will not send to judge anyone. We're here only to help people, to pray for one another. Join us in the corporate fasting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and your life will be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord continue to give strength to those that join us in the corporate fasting. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. And then he said, if you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is the wonderful thing about the word of God, that as you listen to the word of God, any unbelief, any chain will be broken off your life. As you continue daily to seek God, the Lord will make you free. He came to set the captive free. That's what he came for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 34, Jesus answered to them, Very, very, I said unto you, whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin, and the servant of thy not in the house forever, but the son of thy ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Praise you, Lord, completely. Hallelujah, truly. He will make you free. He will make you a free disciple of him. He will make your life free. He will help you in serving and freedom and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. For when the Spirit is, there is freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God is speaking to someone tonight. God is ministering to someone tonight who needs to hear this word, who is seeking God to fellowship, who is seeking God for more of God. God is speaking to your life. Come close to him because the Lord will come close to you. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. He's so awesome. He's so great. That's what such a wonderful God we serve. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, thank you, Jesus. 31a says, Behold, I will bring them from the north country and guard them from the coast of the, of the earth. And with them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and her that prevail with child together in great company shall return. God has a plan for the for the for the for the small, for the great, for the old. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He, God wants to see everyone well. That's why He wants to take care of everyone. He wants to take care of you and I. Because only Him can take care of us. Why? Because He made us. He knows us better than ourselves. He knows what you like. He knows what you love. God wants to, hallelujah, be your lover. He wants to take care of you. He wants you to love him as he loves you and wants to take care of you, brothers and sisters. And I, he wants to take care of us, brothers and sisters. That's what he wants because he loves us. He made us for himself. I thank you, Jesus. But now they shall, shall come with weeping and with supplication where I lead them, I will cause them to walk by the river of water in a straight way when they should not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. He is a father to Israel, and Ephraim is, hallelujah, was a firstborn. I, I find out this week that I'm of the tribe of Judah, and I was excited. I didn't even know this. Praise the Lord until the Lord made it clear this weekend, sharing with brothers and sisters uh, uh, who were telling me they were for another tribe. And I find out from the tribe of Judah, I said, oh, wow, that is incredible. It all made sense to me. 
Praise the Lord. Our life only made sense in God, brothers and sisters. It will only make sense in Him. It cannot make sense out of Him. Our life can only make sense in His presence as He ministers to us, as, as He gives us the knowledge, the wisdom, as He prepares us to come to His kingdom. This, this, this is what He makes our life make sense. Because otherwise, it would not make sense. He made it for Himself, brothers and sisters. This is why He can make our life sense. He can make sense of our life, brothers and sisters. This is why we need to seek him. This is why we need to come to him. This is why we need to spend time in his presence every day, brothers and sisters, because he will teach us things about ourselves, more about him for sure. But he will reveal things about ourselves that you will not you cannot know this by any other way, by any other means. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can reveal things about your life that it will help you to grow in him, that will help you to come to him, that will help you to follow and love more with him, that will help you to seek him more every day. Thank you, Jesus. will help you to desire him even more. Praise you, Jesus, because that's what happens when you grow in relationship. Every day you desire more of the other person, and that person is our Lord and Rabbi Jesus Christ. He wants you to desire more of him because he desires more of you. Thank you, Jesus. And we give him little, and he wants more. This is the time he wants more. You don't need to go to heaven to give him more. You can give him more right now, down here. Thank you, Jesus. Say to him, Lord, I give you my heart, Jesus. I give you my life, Jesus. Take my heart, Lord. Take my life, Jesus. Oh, Lord, take my life, take my heart. Give him all, brothers and sisters. Stop, stop fighting him. Of fighting to, from giving you your love to him. Because if you are not giving all your love to Jesus, all your heart to Jesus, all your life to Jesus, you may have some, you might, you might share it with someone else. You might be in spiritual adultery with him or spiritual fornication, which become idolatry and witchcraft before his presence. And if you have any witchcraft and idolatry in you, you needed to repent this, this night and say, Lord, I repent. Lord, in my relationship with you, Lord, I repent, Lord Jesus, Lord, idolatry, Lord, all, all witchcraft, all sorcery, all black magic, Lord, I repent for fornication, I repent adultery, Lord, in my relationship with you, Lord, I'm so sorry for my, for my unfaithfulness, I'm sorry, Lord, for my unfaithfulness to you, Lord, I'm so sorry, Jesus, for my unfaithfulness to you, I'm so sorry, my Lord and Rabbi Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. For my unfaithfulness to you, Lord, and watch what happens. What is lifted up your life? If, if it is there, it will be lifted up. If you're doing it sincerely with your heart, brothers and sisters, it will be lifted. That same from your life, and you will feel that freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just say it. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my unfaithfulness to you, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, my master and rabbi, my Lord, my God, my Savior, my high priest. I'm so sorry for my unfaithfulness to you. I am so sorry for offending you, Lord, for causing jealousy, oh, Lord, in my relationship, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry for my unfaithfulness, Lord. Go ahead, repeat it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Just repeat and say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my unfaithfulness, my, my spiritual unfaithfulness to you, Lord. I am so sorry, Lord Jesus. Take my heart, O oh Lord. Take my life, O oh Lord. 
Take me completely, Jesus. Take me, the Lord. Take my whole life, Lord. Take everything I want to be, the Lord, and you, oh, Jesus. I beg of you, Lord. Oh, God. And he'll take it from you. He will take from you. He will cleanse you. Cleanse my heart, oh, Jesus. Cleanse my mind, oh, Jesus. Create within me a pure heart, oh, Lord. Against thee, against thee have I sinned, oh, Lord. Against thee have sinned, oh, Lord. Forgive me, oh, Jesus. Forgive me, oh, Lord. Cleanse my heart, oh, Jesus. Cleanse my life, oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I want to be ready for you, Lord. I want to welcome you, Jesus. I want to go home with you, Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I want to give you all my time. I want to give you all my worship. Oh, Lord, take it, Jesus. As it is, I give it to you, O Lord. Only to you, Lord Jesus, I give it to Only to you, my God, my love, my, my heart, please. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And as you say this, you are anointing. The presence of Jesus will come on you. It will come on you and will feel you. It will feel the emptiness in you. As you give everything to him, his presence will feel the emptiness in your life. The emptiness will be filled. And there will be no more emptiness by his love, his caring love, and loving kindness will be there. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus, Lord my God. You're taking the sins of the world. I worship you, O Lord. Let that anointing fill your heart. Let that anointing fill your life. I command all sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. I command, I command all sickness, spiritual sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. Psychological, emotional sickness. I bind it and I command in the name of Jesus to go. Go in the name of Jesus. Let the mind have you set free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Yeshua. In the name of Yahshua. I command it to leave. Lord, raise your people. Let your oil feel the home. Let the oil feel the life. In Jesus' name. For I receive. I receive. I receive your oil. I receive your oil, Lord. I receive your sin, Lord. In Jesus' name, I receive it. I receive, I receive your healing. I receive your healing in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Receive your healing. Let his presence, let his anointing, let his fire minister to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. Let the hands of protection come upon your life and your family. In Jesus' name, come and give it. I said, Lord, I want more of you, Jesus. I said, Lord, I want more of you tonight. In Jesus' name, I come with an empty voice of the Lord to receive from you, the Lord. In Jesus' name, receive it. Receive it, receive it. Let him feel your life, Let him feel your life, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, receive it. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your anointing, O Lord, and your presence, O Lord. In the presence, O Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Minister to your people, Lord, the need of Lord of God, of Jesus. Lord Jesus, minister from your throne, O Lord, to your bride, O Lord. Prepare life and heart for you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, O Lord, we humble ourselves before your presence, O Lord, Rabbi Jesus, we humble. Lord, we repent, pray in the name of Jesus, pray for Christ. 
Thou art not believe. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. We humble ourselves before your presence, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for your people, Lord. For everyone listening, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name, oil. With fresh oil from heaven, oh, Jesus, for the Lamb. Fill their life. Fill them with fresh oil, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, oh, Lord. Fill the land for oil, Lord. Minister in a special way, the Lord. Lord Jesus, take all burden, Lord, from your people, all burden. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're loving, kind of you. I love us, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, mighty God. We serve what a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for your fire. Jesus, let your fire come upon your people. Let the fire come on those that are hungry for you, Lord. More of you, Lord, rest of us, oh, Jesus. In Jesus' name, fill the land with oil. Fill the life with oil. Let your fire, let your fire come upon the life of all, Lord Jesus. Their family in Jesus' name, let salvation not the door of their heart. In Jesus' name, O Lord, in Jesus' name, O Lord, bring salvation upon your people, O Lord. In Jesus' name, O Lord, bring the joy of your salvation tonight to your people, Lord. Lord Jesus, arise to your people, Lord. Arise, awake. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming for you and I. Arise, arise. Receive it, Lord, in loving kindness, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve, what a mighty God we serve, hallelujah. What a mighty Lord, what a mighty Lord, what a mighty Lord. Jeremiah 31, they hear the word of the Lord, O ye nation, and declare us in the island afar off, and say, he that scattered Israel will guard him, and keep him, and shepherd his flock, hallelujah, he was shepherd, he's your shepherd, he is a true shepherd, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, come to Jesus, come to the Lord, give your life to Jesus, give your life to the Lord, my friends, give your life to Jesus, come close to Jesus, come close to the Lord in relationship with the Lord, prepare, prepare to go home with the Messiah, your Messiah is coming, is your life ready, are you ready for your Messiah? Repent your sin. Repent your sin before his presence. Repent his mercy and glory forever. It is available because the night is coming. The night is coming. Now is the time. Now is the time. But the day is still lasting a bit. Oh, God, have mercy. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Prepare your life to meet the Lord. Prepare your heart to meet the Lord. He is coming soon. Hallelujah. His presence is real. Is anointing his power is real. Prepare your life for Jesus. Prepare your life for the Lord. Prepare your life for it. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Commit. Commit to him tonight. We commit your life to Jesus tonight. Say, Lord, I want to serve you in spirit and truth. I want to walk with you, Jesus, in spirit and truth. I want to be ready for your coming, Jesus. I want to be ready for the rapture, Jesus. Prepare my heart. Prepare my life. Prepare me, Lord, for your coming. In Jesus' name, Yeshua, Yeshua, the Lord will prepare you. The Lord will prepare you if you cry out to him. If you ask him for help, he will help you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you. He wants to fill your every oil. Receive the oil that I have in presence. 
Receive the oil of the presence tonight. Receive the Holy Spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, get you on it. Receive it. Open your heart for the Lord. Open for him to throw your heart for all. In Jesus' name, all is available. He is the fountain of all. The fountain of all that put out the oil. Thank you, Jesus. He will give you that oil. If you ask for it, if you allow me to oil, he will fill your lamp with oil. He will fill your lamp with oil tonight. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a great God we serve, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. I said 31, 11, said, For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. It don't matter who is stronger than you. The Lord will redeem you. The Lord will redeem you. The Lord will take you to heaven in the rapture. If you wait for him, he is coming for you. Let the bride say, come, O Lord. And the spirit and the bride says, come. And the spirit and the bride are coming. Him that thirst says, come. Come, 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 Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come for your people, Lord Jesus. Come and take us from Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, the fire is coming. Love is coming. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. We love is coming. We love is coming. The fire is coming. Oh, he will fill your life with oil. He will fill your love with oil. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. He has abundant oil. He is the fountain of it. He is the fountain of the oil. He is abundant. I think Jesus has the fountain of oil. And I marvel at this. Oh, brothers and sisters, he is the fountain of oil. Thank you, Jesus. And it runs and it runs. He never runs out of oil. The oil just keeps roaring and running, running out of him. And I marvel at this fountain. I saw the fountain that was Jesus Christ. Right in front of me, he turned into a fountain. And I saw the oil from the bride running out. Oh, my goodness. The oil was running over. Out of the fountain that is Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, he has abundant oil for you and I. He wants our life to be prepared for the righteous, to be ready for his coming. I thank you, Jesus. He wants to. He wants us to be ready for him. Thank you, Lord. If we are ready, he will come because he is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I said, Jeremiah 31, 12, said, therefore, that shall come and sing in, in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord. I love that. It will flow together to the goodness of the Lord for we and for buying and for oil, for the young flock and for the end of the earth. Earth, I mean, that shall so be, shall be as water going, and they that should, that should not sorrow anymore at all. You will not sorrow at all when you fill your life with his oil, with his abundance. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. You will have abundance from him. He wants to give us abundance, brothers and sisters. He don't want to see us lacking anything. He wants us to have all him. He wants to be our supplier, our helper, because our helper comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God we have, brothers and sisters. What a great Lord we have. What a great Savior we have. He loves us so much. Hallelujah. Verse 13, then show. The virgin rejoices in the dance, both young men and old men, for I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and make them rejoice for their sorrow. God wants you to rejoice on your sorrow. Not always, hallelujah, saying, oh, how bad my life is. Not anymore. The Lord can turn your sorrow into joy. He wants to turn your sorrow into joy. I thank you, Jesus. Rejoice for your sorrow. 
Oh, I thank you, Jesus. This life will be left behind very soon. You will not remember what you went through in this life anymore. The only thing you remember is that you serve the Lord, that you were his disciple. Thank you, Jesus, that he gave you salvation on the cross. You will remember the good things and not the bad. Your life will be completely changed very soon. My brother and my sister rejoice in the Lord. He has abandoned for you and I. My brother, my sister, you can believe that, that the Lord, everything he has, he will make it available for you and I as we seek him, as we come to him. Thank you, Lord. We are his bride, and it will not be nothing he will hold back from you and I, but he will give himself all completely to us. My brother, my sister, oh, I thank you, Lord. And he has so much to give. He has unlimited supply to give himself his love. His mercy, his protection, oh God, his loving kindness, hallelujah, his knowledge, his wisdom, everything you need from God, Jesus has it available for you. Thank you, Lord, and we'll make it available always as you come in close relationship with him. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, because he loves us. He loves us with everlasting love. I thank you, Lord. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with darkness. And my people should be satisfied with my goodness, said the Lord. His goodness, hallelujah. We will be satisfied with his goodness. Only his goodness can satisfy us. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. And the Lord knows that. The Lord knows that. That only his goodness can satisfy us. My people should be satisfied with my goodness. Oh, God. The goodness of the Lord. The goodness of Jesus. Oh, what a God, what a merciful God, what a good God, what a great God, what a merciful God, what a wonderful God, everlasting counselor, hallelujah, everlasting Father. I thank you, Jesus. Verse 15, thus says the Lord's voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, racial weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were no more. God have mercy. Thus say the Lord, restrain thy voice from weeping and thy eyes from fear. For thy work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and shall come back from the land of the enemy. Oh, God, we will come home. We will come back as we come home. Thank you, Jesus, from the land of the enemy. This earth has been turned into the land of the enemy, and we will be taken out of this earth because God don't want us no more in the land of the enemy. And our work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, to the prophet Jeremiah. It will be rewarded. Everything you do for the Lord will be rewarded. Oh, retain thy voice from weeping and thy eyes from tear. Oh, it will be all joy in the Holy Spirit. It will be joy in the presence of God that we are going to have as we are, once we are raptured, everything is going to turn into joy. Very soon, brothers and sisters, very, very soon, everything will be turned into joy by the Lord. I thank you, Jesus. And there is hope in thy, in thy end. Hallelujah. There is hope in thy hands, says the Lord, that thy children should come back to their own borders. Hallelujah. Their own borders. Thank you, Lord. And that is only in heaven for us. As the Lord finished, ends the tribulation and makes a new heaven and a new earth where the righteous what dwells is the word of God. You and I, the one watching the blood of Jesus, that's the only thing that can make us righteous, brothers and sisters. And we are coming back to the earth to reign with Christ a thousand years where we will be king and priest with the Lord. How do you like that now? King and priest. 
we will be with the Lord, I thank you, Jesus. What a mighty promise he's given us, brothers and sisters. What a mighty promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Surely after I was turned, I repented, and after I was entrapped, I smiled upon my tie. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I bore reports of my youth. Thank you, Lord. This is what Israel has to go through. Hallelujah. The tribulation, that said the Lord, I hold the God of Israel. As ye, they shall use the speech in the land of Judah, in the city thereof, when I should bring them back from captivity. The, the Lord bless thee, O habiting of justice in the mountain of holiness. All this will be true 100%. And the millennium, verses, I see that the holiness of Christ will be in that mountain. Praise you, Lord. He, Jesus, will end. The seven years tribulation, brothers and sisters, it will begin as we renew the earth, the new millennium. Praise you, Lord. If the earth was made with a bang, it going out with a bang, another bang. But it will be the bang of the Lord Jesus Christ as he renew and makes everything again. And there shall be, hallelujah, and there shall be done in Judah itself and all the city thereof together, husband, men, and they to go forward with the flock. Hallelujah. He will take care of his people. For I have satisfied the very soul. I have replenished every soul, uh, sorrow so for. Hallelujah. So upon this I wake and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Praise the Lord. Behold, the day cometh, says the Lord, that I will saw the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Thank you, Jesus. With seed of men and with the seed of beasts. Oh, I thank you, Lord. They will be completely separated, not like in Genesis 6. Hallelujah. Completely, hallelujah, man and beast. Praise the Lord. The seed of man and the seed of beast. Not one seed, not one DNA or two DNA put together, but two different DNA is what I meant. Thank you, Lord. Our God is so good. Our God is so awesome. Hallelujah. But God has to build for that. Verse of me, and I shall come to pass that as I have branched over them to plug out and to break down. This is what God is going to have to do plug out and break down, and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict. So will I watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. He has to break, he has to throw down in order for the earth to be built, for the earth, hallelujah, to be renewed. This is how the Lord would have to do it, brothers and sisters. I thank you, Jesus. Our God is great God. It's awesome God. I thank you, Lord. Our sister Emily, prophet of the Lord, has put out on YouTube two powerful words. And she talks about famine is coming to the land. And then the Lord talked to her about planting, planting seed, brothers and sisters. I don't know how many of you have heard this, this message from her. Planting seed, brothers and sisters. It's very, it's very important that as, as the famine is coming upon the land and the whole earth, people all over the earth listen to us, begins to plant seed. Plant their own garden, plant their own food to eat, your own vegetable, brothers and sisters. You can buy seeds online to plant your own vegetable, and you don't need to have a lot of land, just a small land, and begin to plant seeds, a vegetable and things that you like to eat, brothers and sisters, because things are going to get very difficult at the end, and we are at the end. And this is time, brothers and sisters, we begin to plant, praise you, Lord, to grow vegetables, tomato, whatever you can grow, praise you, Lord, in your house, even in your own house. Go ahead and do it, brothers and sisters, because time, the difficult time, the famine is very close. As the Lord said to me, that the economy is going to fall. 
So how the Lord said to our sister, dear sister Emily, that the economy is going to, to fall very soon. And she talks about it in this audio that I'm going to play in a few minutes. The economy is going to, to, to hallelujah, fall. And the government is not telling people the truth. You're not going to hear the truth from your government. They're going to lie. They're going to deceive. They're going to mislead people to the end. And once it's fall, you'll see millions of people fighting amongst each other, brothers and sisters, blaming the government, the governor, blaming the state representative, blaming the court, blaming the whole system. And the whole system going into the tribulation very soon is going to fall. It's not going to last because it's not of God. No, no house that is not planted on the rock, Jesus Christ, is going to last. Hallelujah. They have planned their homes, their house, their court, the system, the government, and the sand. And this is why it's going to fall when, when, when the tsunami comes. Hallelujah. When the tornado comes, when the hurricane comes. Their house is going to fall. But your, the government, they know understand, not on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. And we have seen this on television, the Ten Commandments being taken out of a out of, out of court system. And this is not just the United States. Other countries have been part into this and are begun, have begun to do this, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. No how planted on the sand will stand. And will only stand if it's planting on the rock. You're seeing a lot of rich people buying uh, pieces of land around around the earth, making beautiful homes, millions of dollar mansions on the sand. And I, I, I just look at it and I say, how can, how can they not read the Bible? You cannot build a house on the sand. It has to be built on the rock. The rock is represented by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And all these homes that I make on the sand are going to fall. All these economy, all government, are representatives that have built their house on the sand, the economy on the sand, the, the law system on the sand. They have moved away from the rock. Our, our constitution was built on the rock, on the word of God. It now has been moved to the sand, brothers and sisters. And that's why it's going to fall. That's why it cannot stand. Because only a house built on the rock can stand, brothers and sisters. This is the sad part about our, our our system today, our politicians today, brothers and sisters. But continue to pray for your nation. Continue to pray for soul to be saved, for sure. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of Israel. I want to thank each and one of you for your prayer and your financial support. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord, for your obedience to the Lord. Hallelujah, when he said, bring your tithes and offerings to your house and let it be let it be abundance. Hallelujah, he will rebuke the devourer and will bring abundance. Hallelujah. And, and the Lord is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, America is drinking the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil. That is so sad, and that is true. But, you know, in the end time, everything will be revealed. America will be revealed, and the world will be revealed as they are. Praise you, Lord. As these nations are murdering people in secret, God is revealing it for people to see on television, on the media, on the internet. There is nothing secret that will not be brought to light, the Word of God says. And that's a solid rock of God. Jesus Christ is the Word. And so all these things, brothers and sisters, 
that they're doing in secret, God is going to reveal them. The Lord showed me the other night after he brought me from heaven that morning, he also showed me that the Arab nations who are seeking technology from the United States, sorry to say, carry in his best friend, the beast, are selling technology to the Middle East. I heard today, you're going to hear it from, from Hallelujah, Hummingbird, that it's so sad, and it's just so sad, but I've I seen this, and i seen this too from before. They are selling, uh, the Lord showed me, they are selling technology to the Arabs. And the technology they are being sold to the Arabs it's being used to cure Jews, Jews, men and women, brothers and sisters. Shalom, they are walking in truth. This is this is the sad part, brothers and sisters. The technology that the U.S. and these nations are selling to the, to the Arabs, to 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 the, to the Iranians, and all those nations around them, if they are buying the technology to kill the Jewish people, that's why it's becoming so difficult for Israel to protect the borders, brothers and sisters, because the technology is so advanced, it's so well-made, made in the United States, brothers and sisters, and they are being used against them. The Lord Jesus showed this to me. Praise the Lord. I wanted to show this, uh, share this here. God have mercy on this land. Right? And the Lord showed me in the dream as he took me out in the spirit that right from this nation, the intelligence, the, the technology was being sold to them but was given to them, hallelujah, and, and, and it was being used, brothers and sisters, shalom, I love you, heavenly father, and, and it's being sold to them or given to them. Uh, I heard today that uh, they, they have a carrier next to Iran to protect Iran nuclear uh, plants from the, from, the, from the planes of Israel, brothers and sisters, from bombing them. They are protecting Israel enemy from Israel bombing their enemy who wants to kill them and destroy them and erase them as a nation. Oh, brothers and sisters, where have this nation gone to? Where all these European nations are going to? Carrying the beast, what they're doing is being noticed by God. And this is why the Lord very soon will take his bride out of here because he's going to get a hold of them very soon. He's going to begin to punish them. And through everything that gave them joy and everything that gave them security and peace, the Lord is going to bring it down. He's going to break. As fire comes down from heaven, according to Revelation, as the Lord began to shake the earth, so will this nation becomes nothing. So will the nations become nothing, says the Lord through Isaiah. He will destroy the nation. Benjamin is of the Lord. Benjamin is of the Lord. The Lord says, Benjamin is mine. Benjamin is of the Lord. He is going to take Benjamin upon his enemies, brothers and sisters. They will not escape this, Father God. They are not going to escape in all they have escaped judgment. But the Father God got their eyes on them. And God said, He is going to punish the wicked. And he says, they will not escape, says Father God. They will not escape. What's his word to me in heaven, brothers and sisters? They will not escape. God got his eyes on them. God truly got his eyes on them. 
Oh, boy, oh, boy. They are not going to escape God's judgment. God's judgment is going to come upon their life. They are going to regret everything, every arm, every weapon. They have formed against Israel, which will not prosper. They're going to regret they have ever done. Raise their hand. Raise a technology against the children of Israel. The apple of the eyes of God. God have mercy. Here, let me play the late, the later prophecy. It will be spoken much beautiful than I, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Here it is. Hi, guys. I haven't done a gardening video in a while, and so I wanted to do one just to catch you up, to update you on some of the different things that uh, that we have been doing. Uh, the reason that we do these videos is because the Lord specifically told us to grow food. And um, I'm not saying that he's telling everyone to do that, but without a doubt, guys, this is as prophetic as anything that we do here because we are being led by the Lord. And we're hoping that it will inspire others, you know, just to think about things and to realize without a shadow of a doubt that our world is changing. And that, yes, that we are living in the last days and that God is moving his people. He's mobilizing his people and he's moving his people into different uh, places, into different positions. And he's given us wisdom and knowledge. And, and yes, um, he is calling us to come out to some degree of the systems of this world. And, uh, and that is for our protection. Guys, there's lots of reasons why we would want to grow our own food. One reason is so that we will have food, so that we will know that we will have food. Uh, no matter what happens, you know, we believe that the Lord has said that famine is coming. And uh, so, you know, uh, you know, there's people out there that grow food all the time, farmers, and they, you know, they might think that I'm silly. But you know what? There's a lot of people that knows nothing about gardening. And I knew a little bit. The Lord actually moved me and inspired me to begin growing food. Uh, five years ago, but I did it, I didn't understand the reason for it, and uh, and I just did it on a very limited um, scale, and then, um, I don't know, maybe, I can't remember how long now, maybe nine months ago, the Lord started dealing with my heart, that no, that he wanted me to do it on a grander scale, and he wanted me to experiment with some different uh, gardening methods, and he wanted me to learn, and uh, so I started throwing myself into that and trying to learn more. Uh, so much more about uh, all of this and, and to me most of these things were were foreign and yes it was so much to learn and um, but it has been fun it's been it's been a journey for sure and, and I have so much more to learn and I want to keep making the videos and I'm sure at some point I'll be, begin to give instructions on things but right now we're just experimenting with things and uh, and and I have many failures I've had to throw uh, plants away uh, my lettuce plants that turn bitter and just different things. So so it is learning for us. And uh, But, you know, thank God. The Lord spoke to me, you know, before the whole September thing. And the Lord told me very clearly, and I said it in a video, he said that he was going to give his people more time to prepare. And I'm so grateful for that, that, that he has given us time. He's holding back the tide of evil, even though it may not seem like it, because we see evil just exploding all around us, guys. We know that we're in the last days. We know that there's going to be a time when when uh, we are controlled by resources. We're controlled by food. And uh, if we can't uh, grow our own food, 
then people are going to be so desperate that they're going to enter into that beast system without thinking too much about it because they're desperate to get a hold of food. So I know that that's just some of the reasons that the Lord um, has led me to do this and, and God has showed me in dreams that he's going to use us to help take care of other people but that we of course will be taken care of and he's going to take care of us in many supernatural ways not just natural ways like gardening um, but you, I know that you guys know there's lots of reasons to grow your own food even if you don't prophetically believe that we're in the last days and that that the beast system is rising it's uh, the you know that that uh, that things are being set for the Antichrist, and uh, we know what the Bible says that that all kinds of horrible things is going to come upon the earth. Even if you don't believe that, there's lots of good reasons to grow your own food. First of all, you know, it, like it, to I say, to have food, and uh, but to have food that you know what has gone into the growing of that food, you know. Um, that it doesn't have the insecticides or whatever, that it's the healthiest food. And when you grow your own food, it's amazing. I was just amazed. I've never grown my own broccoli before. But we, I, my whole family was amazed at how good that broccoli tasted. It didn't taste anything like that, what we buy in the grocery store. So food tastes so much better. And my gosh, is it ever cheaper? You know, it's so much cheaper to you know, for a pack of seeds and, and the fruit, the vegetables that you can get out of just the seed is so, is so much uh, more inexpensive. And there's all kinds of gardening methods today that takes a lot of the work out of gardening as well and just makes it so much more efficient, you know. Uh, my garden for sure is not my daddy's garden, you know, uh, that when I was growing up, you know, the, the, the laborious gardening uh, that went on back then you know, it's, it's just, you know, there's just, we have such access to that information on how to grow things in, in better ways than what used to be done. But anyway, so um, I did make uh, just a short video to show uh, you guys what we're doing. But I wanted to, um, to remind you guys why I'm doing this and that I personally feel it's called by God to do this and to share this with you guys as I do anything else. Um, I do believe that it is prophetic and I do believe that God is speaking to his people to prepare for the things that's coming while we have time to prepare so that, you know, he doesn't just tell us things for no reason. He tells us things so that we will put that faith and that knowledge into action and not in fear. We don't do not one single thing in fear, but we do it in joy and we just do it in faith, uh, in obedience to God, knowing um, knowing that it's always right to obey the Lord. So even if you um, you know you live in an apartment or you live in a city, you know, do some research on, on the web. You will find that there's people that live in your exact situation that is also learning how to uh, take care of their family in the future to take care of their family right now, through, you know, through the production of their own food. Well, guys, I hope that this video um, inspires you, gives you some ideas. Uh, like I say, it's not teaching videos at this point, even though I will begin to teach more as I learn more and as I see that, yes, this works, that don't work, you know, what works best, and I will share that stuff with you. Uh, you know, it's my pleasure to do that. Well, guys, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and um, I hope that you enjoy this little short video of um, the stages that our greenhouse and our garden is in right now. Okay, guys, this is out on my uh, back deck. Uh, as you can see, I still have some cabbages, and 
onions growing. I have lettuces growing. I've replanted. I had to throw away a lot of the other lettuces that I was growing in early fall because it was so hot here, and it made uh, it made them all turn bitter. So I restarted them, and so I do have quite a few mustard greens growing and lettuces, cabbages, things like that that like the cool weather better. Here are some more lettuces. Uh, we haven't actually started eating these yet, but it won't be much longer, and we will be able to start eating these lettuces. Right here, I have um, a basil plant. My basils did really well. I have two more sitting on my kitchen windowsill that I use when I'm cooking. That's really awesome. The, the bad thing, though, is that all of the other herbs that I was uh, growing, they all died. The only ones that lived were the basils. So I'm going to try those again come spring. Okay. Um, you can see right here, I still have, we have some of uh, the pallets we're going to use to build uh, at least one more um, compost bin. You can see my compost bin over there. I guess it's kind of hard for me to see what you guys are seeing because the sun is shining. Um, I still have, I'm still using the trash can compost. I also have my worms, and they're doing really well. I moved them in, actually, to my laundry room. I don't think my family is real happy about having worms in the laundry room. But they're warm, and they're happy, and I read that uh, that they would reproduce much better if I can keep them warm. So I guess they're going to have to spend the winter in the house with us in the laundry room, and then I'll move them back out in the spring. But anyway, um, as you can see... We brought in a load of wood chips, and we got these free from uh, the uh, York County landfill. Uh, my brother uh, has a dump trailer, so he brought those in for me. We have uh, some of them spread, but we don't have them all spread yet. I was going to wait till um, I pulled up some more um, of the things that I'm growing right now. Okay, I'm going to take walk down to the garden, and we'll take a look into the garden and into the greenhouse real quick. Here's my little greenhouse. Actually, that's two together. The reason I have the sticks holding it up was that storm that hit South Carolina. The wind blew really bad and shook that thing. It didn't, you know, we were able to keep it from falling over. It did knock some plants off and uh, ruin a few things. But other than that, and then we have another greenhouse. The part of the frame of it there, I just haven't finished putting it up because I haven't needed it yet. Okay. Um, the tomato plants, I hope I'm pointing in the right direction, showing you what I'm talking about. Uh, the, my tomato plants, they're just about finished for sure. They did finally start turning red, and that was awesome, so we've been eating tomatoes for the past month and we've gotten um, a lot off of that plant there's still some on there there's more on the back side of it but um, I'll be pulling that up soon that's almost finished for sure I have um, cauliflower broccoli Brussels sprouts and um, turnip greens out here we've been eating the broccoli that's really the only thing that I planted in the fall well, this out in the garden. We have things in the greenhouse that we've been harvesting. There's some broccoli. I've started, I've cut off of those, and those are supposed to send out shoots and, and form more heads, so we'll see. I hope they do. 
There's a, a big one, another big one. Some more over there. This is the cauliflower. And as you can see, if I'm pointing in the right direction, there you go. The leaves are big, but there is no heads in there. And I don't know why. I don't know if maybe, oh, well, maybe there is one growing. I can't tell if that's leaves or if that's actually a cauliflower head beginning to grow. I don't know. I hope so. That'd be nice. I don't know if they just took longer or what the deal is. The same goes with my Brussels sprouts. Still no shoots coming up. Maybe it just takes a while. They, they You know, they look like they're doing pretty good. Except for the one I stepped on one and killed it. <laughs> one died when I planted, and then I stepped on one. Actually, the one I stepped on, it did come back a little bit. Check that out. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't think it's going to do too much, though. Okay. I'm going to take a quick look in the greenhouse. I was growing cucumbers, and they were producing really well. But some kind of worm, I believe it came from a moth got in here and uh just totally ruined those plants so i you can see where i had the trellises everywhere i just went ahead and took those all out and i started planting some peas and those peas right there are not producing yet because they they're only they're only three or four about three weeks old but man they're really shooting up so i'm expecting those to do well here are some cherry tomatoes i don't know if you can see um, see there, there's uh, quite a few clusters of tomatoes on there. They haven't turned yet, so I'm happy with those. They don't look really good. I mean, they're a little bit yellow. I need to try to figure out what's going on. Maybe there's a nutrient that they need. And then those were green beans. I got bees flying around in here. Hopefully they won't get after me. They're in here working, so I'm happy about that. As long as they leave me alone, I'll leave them alone. Uh, the green beans still has a few beans on them. They're turning yellow. Uh, we've gotten quite a few off of these plants, but they're, they've just about finished up their job, and I am about to put some more in pots. I've got some more growing. I was wanting to show you the greenhouse. This is actually two small, very inexpensive greenhouses that we've put together on this uh, to make one larger one. So there's a door on both ends of the greenhouse we put these together and we we put a slit we cut a slit right down uh the middle of this this way right here so the air can come through so that if we need to heat this we can just uh, you know heat them together and so that air on days when it's hot the air can flow through both greenhouses and that's working out for us okay here's my pea plants now these have been here for a while these are mature plants and i've been harvesting off of these for gosh three or four weeks now but they still do have quite a few uh peas on them but these will not last much longer and they'll be finished and here is i told you that uh i had planted more green beans so i have to get these put into bigger pots okay i have bees swarming around me now that's okay um, this is actually, this, this one right here is actually, uh, potatoes. I didn't have any potatoes with eyes, but I wanted to plant some, and I mentioned it to my mom. She had some, and she went ahead and put them in a pot for me, and, uh, so I know that that pot is way too small, so right now I definitely need to get that into something larger. 
to keep to keep those growing. And down there, I have some carrots growing. Uh, they look like they're doing pretty well. Um, it takes a long time to grow carrots, but I'm hoping that they will produce. And guys, remember that you know we're experimenting with all this stuff. I know that you know that's enough carrots to keep my family going for you know maybe one or just maybe a couple um, uh, you know dishes. You know, you eating them a couple times, and then they would all be gone. But we're just experimenting, seeing what we can do, what we can grow, and in what environment we can grow it. Okay, down here we have, it looks horrible, I know. This was the, if you remember me telling you, I took a watermelon seed and um, a cantaloupe seed straight out of the fruit and I just stuck it in some dirt and uh, and sure enough it grew. You know, I didn't do anything to process it. I just, I just, I didn't even dry them. I, I was just experimenting, just playing around. I stuck it in dirt and they grew and then, well, I they kept growing, so I stuck them in the greenhouse. I didn't really think I'd be able to, you know, grow uh, cantaloupes or watermelon in the greenhouse. And and um, I think that that's true. I'm not going to be able to. You know, they don't look very healthy. I'm probably going to go ahead and take these out of here and uh, and just wait and plant those in the garden in the spring, and that'll be just fine. I have an eggplant plant here. This one got knocked over in the storm and it actually knocked all the way out of its bucket. I put it back in. Eggplants take forever to grow, so I don't know that if that if that's ever going to really give me anything or not, but we'll see. And this right here, this is one of my prize plants. <laughs> it's peppers. And uh, I didn't know how it would do, but it looks really great. Um, I'm starting now. I don't know if you can see, I'm starting now right here to just get some baby peppers, and I have some uh, blooms still on it, and hopefully, you know, even if I just get small peppers off of that, it's going to tickle me. I'm going to be happy. And, of course, come spring, I will plant peppers in the garden. And, well, guys, that's it. That's all I have for right now. God, God bless you guys. I love you, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to Chosen Explosions End Time Prophetic Revelations. I just want to share my heart with you some right now. And uh, my daughter had a dream um, that I believe just confirms everything that the Lord has been speaking to me about. And uh, so I just feel led by God just to talk to you guys about it. Um, we all know that, um, that the world is in chaos and uh, there's all kinds of things happening all around the world. You know, um, just all kinds of things with the shaking, with the shakings, the earthquakes, and and the war, and the rumors of war, and uh, you know the drought, and um, just all kinds of things. Christians being persecuted, and the rise of evil, and the list just goes on and on. And um, we know that um, we truly do believe that before the end of this year and very possibly in September, um, things are going to happen. You know, we keep getting warnings over and over, uh, not just uh, not just me and not, you know, not just my family here, but, um, you know, many of God's people are getting uh, dreams and visions and words from the Lord 
telling us that storms are coming and God wants us to be aware and he wants us to be prepared and he wants us to be busy while we still have opportunity to be busy. And God, God is really speaking to his people and he's telling us things, he's showing us things. And uh, God has been leading my family to prepare in a little bit of a different way. The Lord has been putting it on our hearts to grow uh, more food. And I think I might have mentioned this in a video. Um, when I first moved, when my family, we first moved to our land out in the country, I don't know, four or five years ago now, the Lord impressed upon my heart that I had to learn to grow food. Um, I had never done that before. And uh, so from my very first summer here, um, we had lived in the city. And for our, from our very first summer out in the country, I started a garden. And uh, and when parts of it failed, I was just determined. You know, I felt like um, it was an assignment from God. It was something that I had to do. You know, I had to learn how to work the ground. I had to learn how to grow food. And uh, my family, we did. And uh, so... So we stayed on it, and uh, we haven't become mass farmers or anything like that. I didn't feel like God was calling us to do that. I felt like that he was asking us simply to learn how to grow food. And uh, so we began to do that, and I've had a garden <clears throat> every year, and I haven't uh, grown a whole lot of food, uh, but I've gotten better and better at it. And uh, But recently, guys, even... even um, we were really, you know how distracted this ministry, this house, how, how distracted the enemy has managed to keep us with David's constant health issues and uh, just all kinds of things, distractions. And uh, even through it all, you know, we've continued to do our best to press into the Lord, to hear God, to report everything that he was saying. And I don't know if it was the distractions or if it was just God's timing but we had already put in our um, our spring crops, and, uh, and and they're doing wonderfully, by the way. We're getting a lot out of the garden, and I'm very busy this summer canning um, what is coming out because that's something else that I have not done. But this year I felt that uh, the Lord was saying to, to can, you know, to uh, preserve the leftovers. You know, yes, we do share some. We eat some, we share some, and we preserve some. But even after all that, I, I've just, God, God has been dealing with my heart that, um, and not this is not fear, this is simply hearing God and faith, okay? But over the last, um, let's see, it's the beginning of August now, I don't know, maybe since around the 1st of July, God has just been um, talking to me about growing more food. And uh, and having uh, uh, sustainable food sources and water sources year round, and uh, and really putting this on our hearts very strongly. And again, I'm telling you, this is not moving in fear. This is simply hearing God and uh, moving in faith that this is what He is instructing us to do. You know, and now I'm like, geez, why didn't I think about this before? But uh. And I know that the Lord, you know, it's, it's to take care of my family, it's to take care of, I know that it's much, so much bigger than that, that God has wanted us to learn this and to do this to help take care of, of other people. And the Lord is even showing us just such, such grand 
things that um, only he can do those things. Uh, but, but we're standing, we're believing for those things, we're praying, we're doing research, we're doing everything that we know to do. And it is for the sake of taking the gospel to the four corners of the world and also taking sustainable food sources to the nations, to, to America, to um, places of poverty and places where people are not able to get food. Um, and that type thing. And uh, so we just have to keep listening to God and pressing into that. But, um, guys, I really do believe that the Lord is saying that, that that he wants his people not to move in fear, but he wants us to hear him, to surrender our whole heart. And, you know, I say this all the time, but surrender our whole heart um, and to listen to him. And even if it doesn't make sense, just do it. You know, that's pretty much been the way it is for me for the last, 25 years just hearing God and usually things don't really make sense but I just go ahead and do them. Sometimes they do make perfect sense. Right now this makes perfect sense to me but uh, he's told me many things to do that did not make sense but yet you know even though people around me thought I was crazy and uh, my family thought I was not my immediate family because we always pray and hear God together but uh, my extended family members you know would think that we're nuts you know but, no, we were always hearing God. We were always just moving in faith, and it always turned out to be exactly what God was telling us to do, and it always worked out marvelously for us. But, um, and this is another thing that God is telling us to do, and, uh, and it involves uh, uh, greenhouses, and I think I've said this before in a video, but greenhouses and uh, aquaponics, um, different types of things like that for sustaining food sources. Guys, I know that God is um, going to move his people out of the world system and he's going to provide for us. But we have to listen. We have to die to our flesh. We have to be willing to do whatever it is that he's telling us to do. And, you know, some Christians are just so caught up in the things of this world, so deeply embedded to the systems of this world. And, um, uh, Maybe they have their eyes so much on pastors that are not hearing God that, you know, trust in those pastors to hear God for them and tell them whatever and uh, and not hearing God for themselves and uh, maybe their pastors are not, you know, doing that or whatever. And I know a lot of pastors are, um, so, so I'm not saying that, but God wants us to hear him for ourselves. And, uh, and I know that God... Is definitely moving his people to do this and uh, so I just want to go ahead now so this is the things that God has been talking to me about oh I wanted to tell you this too guys I really do believe I know that I really believe with all my heart that that things are going to happen in September and I know that uh, you know because of the Shemitah and um, just all the things that's happened around the, the feast of the Lord this year and God is using the signs those are signs in the skies and signs of the times that God wants us to pay attention to, and we can learn so much from that. But, you know, and I, so I do believe that things are going to happen. I don't know exactly when, you know. We can't put God in a box, you know. Um, but we do believe that things are going to happen around September, October. And, um, but honestly, this is what I hear the Lord saying to me, and I just want to tell you guys this. 
that I do believe that something's going to happen in September, October. I really do. I, but I listen, I believe that it's the beginning. It's not going to be, I don't believe it's going to be a complete fallout. Uh, the Lord told me, I really, and I want you guys to pray about this, but I believe that the Lord told me that he is going to hold back the darkness and he is going to give his children time to prepare. I believe that the things that are coming is, and listen, there's all kinds of things that's happening. There's shakings going on. And uh, the Bible says everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And listen, this is for our awakening, okay? We are in the last days, and God is shaking, and he's trying to awaken his people to come back to him. And many many are with him already, but many are backslid, and many are away from God. And uh, or they're believing in a false hope, and they're not even born again. But And, and then, of course, there's wicked. You know, when I say wicked, I mean those that do not know God. They uh, have never been saved. They're not born again. They're not God's people. And they may not be bad people, but they're not God's people, so they're not clothed in righteousness, okay? But, you know, God is going to bring in a harvest, a great harvest of the lost, too. So, you know, the shaking is for God's people first to awaken us first to understand the time, the season that we're in, to understand God's plans in these last days what he is doing and how he is going to bring the loss to him and how he's going to bring correction to the church, how he's going to bring transformation to the church, how he's going to bring healing and restoration to the church first. It is going to be to the church first. And so there is a type a type of judgment that is coming to the church um, to shape, to awaken the people of God, uh, so that we will die to ourselves, die to our flesh. Do you guys understand how can God lead us if we're rebellious, if we're running around in our own self-will, doing whatever we want, not seeking God's face, not hearing God's voice, not obeying God so that he can protect us and lead us and guide us and use us to bring the lost, to him because he loves all people and he wants them all to come to him. But God, he's going to use the church. So there has to be restoration to come to the church. So the things that are coming are going to shake the church and awaken the church so that we will listen to God and we will obey God and he can flow through us in these last days. But but I really do believe that what's coming this year and uh, it's, it's part of the domino effect. It's, it's a part of the birthing. I mean, it's part of the, the, the labor pains that Jesus spoke of in those last days and that they would get stronger and stronger and stronger until the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. And, um, and so I do believe that in September, October time frame, things are going to... Um, that there are going to be some major events. I don't know what they are, but I, but I don't believe it's going to be the final fallout or collapse. I believe it is the beginning, um, and it's going to continue to uh, get worse. I believe it's going to be like a domino effect, but it's going to awaken more of God's people, and even those who don't know God are going to turn to God because of it. Not everybody, of course, I wish. But not everybody, but many are going to turn to God because of the things that's coming. And, and But right now, God wants those who know him and who um, 
to listen to him, to die again. It's about dying to self, to self-will, to not being rebellious, to being obedient to God and doing whatever he says, and uh, seeking him and spending time with him, fellowshipping with him, coming into communion with him, coming into unity, into oneness with him. That's what it's all about. But let me tell you about this dream real quick. And I did have to go into the presence of the Lord to understand this dream completely. And uh, this was what she dreamed. It was a short dream, and it had two parts to it, three parts to it, actually. Okay, the first part was, she said, Amanda said that her and I were standing in what looked like an abandoned warehouse. And, uh, and there was a huge vat of what appeared to be boiling oil, like... Um, vegetable oil she said it was yellow yellow oil and it was boiling and uh, above the vat of boiling oil there were um, two mechanisms that could lower down into the oil and they were separate and one mechanism on it stood um, what she said what looked like a person that had been mummy uh, had been wrapped like a mummy. He was completely wrapped in white fabric cloth. Okay, and then on the other uh, mechanism that was over the oil, there was just a person. And she said that person that uh, mechanism lowered that person down into the oil and lifted them back up, and they were dead. They were charred dead. And uh, and she said, uh, she said at that point, she told me that we should get out of there. And her and I left, and we got into a green van. And I do happen to own a green van, but I believe that God used that particular vehicle because of the color green represents life. And we were going down the road, and the van broke down. And I, um, I wanted, well, let me think. Okay, I, I won't tell the interpretation. I'll wait and then back up and then tell the interpretation. And then she said, then the scene changed. And she said that we were on a what looked like a farm, uh, a very large farm. She said, I wasn't with her at that point. It was just her and an old man. And she assumed that he was the farmer on that property, on that farm. And uh, she said they were standing off of his porch. Um, on the ground, and she said across the way she could see fields of uh, all kinds of food growing in the fields. And she said her and the elderly man were talking, and um, and he told her, she said the only thing that he could remember that he said was, he, he, she said he looked sad, and he said we have three years before there are no more, there is no more food. We have three years left before there is no more food. And um, and that was the end of the dream. Okay, going back to the beginning, the, I believe that the boiling oil, oil, and I only knew this, I didn't know what it meant. I thought it meant this and that, but when I went into the presence of the Lord, I believe that he gave me the revelation of it. But you guys can pray and see what you believe that this means, but I believe that the Lord showed me that it meant that the boiling oil is the judgments of God. It uh, The oil represents the Holy Spirit, and the boiling, it does mean the hard times, the judgments that are coming. You know, you know, I'll talk about judgments in a different video 
guys, but you know that, that judgments, I think I have a scripture for that. I might read in a few minutes. But uh, judgments are not always bad. You know, we can be judged being, to be right. And uh, judgment can bring uh, punishment or, or reward. But um, I believe that that's what the oil represents. And the person that was standing on the, um, that was wrapped in white, I believe that that, that person represented the part of the body of Christ who have surrendered themselves to God. They have submitted themselves to God's way, and they have let God chasten them, and they have let God correct them and uh, sanctify them, purify them. You know, our spirit is instantly purified the moment that you're born again, but that don't mean that your actions, your mind and your actions are. We have to let our, our mind be transformed by the Word of God to the Word of God, and when we do that, then we become Christ-like, we're formed we're formed into Christ, into Christ-like ways, and we begin to act like Christ. We begin to behave like Him. We think like Him, and we behave like Him. But just because you're born again, don't mean you're you're just automatically going to submit yourself and surrender yourself and uh, do that and become Christ-like. You, you know, some people get saved, and and then maybe because they don't have, I don't know, Christians around to help them. Or whatever, or after time they just backslide, but but they just keep going the ways of the world, and they never they never truly let their minds be transformed and their actions be transformed into into um, pleasing God, into being like God, and doing the things that God would have them to do. So they're in rebellion, they're in carnality, they're in their flesh. But guys, that person um, in in her dream that was wrapped in white. That person represented those who have surrendered to God. They've surrendered to God. They've, uh, you know, the Lord chastens those he loves. And I want to read that scripture to you real quick. It's Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and, and he scours every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastisement, of which all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For truly they, ch they chastened us for a few days according to their own pleasure. But he, but he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness, is for our benefit that God chastens us so that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, ch chastening for the present does not seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised by it. So the person that was clothed in white, those were the ones who have subjected and submitted themselves to the chastening of the Lord. And had learned righteousness by it. Amen. Learn how to be obedient. 
going from being carnal to being spiritual, to living a life in the spirit, being led by the spirit, not by the flesh. So it's not fit that so it wasn't physical death in the dream at all. It was the death of the flesh. It was the death of self will. Okay? And the judgments, the saints, call them judgments, call them correction, call whatever you want, call it whatever you want. I believe that it's it's because God loves us so much that he's lifting his hand and he's letting the, the devil do some stuff. And Satan means it for your harm and for our destruction, but God means it for our good, for righteousness' sake, so that he can protect us. If we, You can't protect a rebellious child. You ever tried to keep a rebellious child out of the street? And they were just determined that they were just going to just run right on into the street anyway and not listen? Well... You know, that's the way God's children are. God doesn't want us play. Listen, sin is of the devil. And when we play with sin, we're playing with the devil. And when we, we're we opening the door up to the devil, and that is so dangerous, and God doesn't want us to. And he wants to lead us into paths of righteousness. He wants to take us into places of safety. And so he chastises his children. I know you know what I'm talking about. If you try to do something and the Lord convicts you of it, that's the beginning of chastisement, and that will get stronger and stronger. And if you will, and after a while, God will just let you go on your way if you if you won't bow to that, if you won't learn righteousness from it, learn how to obey the Lord and to come closer to God through it, then he'll let you go on your way until a certain point, and then there'll be more. Okay, so this is the hard chastening of the Lord. The other was... To me, I call it the easy, you know. You can learn the easy way or you can learn the hard way. But you are going to learn. You are going to learn because you are because you surrender to God as far as you chose God. You didn't surrender, but you chose God. And now you're a child of God, so he's going to bring us into submission for our own good because he loves us to protect us for our own good. Amen? He's a good daddy. He loves us. Okay, this is the heart. Isaiah, and I could have used lots of scriptures, but I'm using this one. Isaiah 2, 19 through 21, And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of Jehovah and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth terribly. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made for him to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rock and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of Jehovah and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth terribly. I believe that this is only the beginning of the shaking. We're already seeing it. It's going to get worse and worse. It's going to come like labor pains. They get, they get worse and worse. The first one's not that bad, but every one that comes, they get stronger and they hurt more. And I believe that that's the way God's judgments are. He loves us and he, he doesn't delight in in any of that. He doesn't delight in it. He just wants his people to turn and to listen to him so that he can protect us. Amen? And so that we can be light in the world. We're, we're supposed to be light and salt. Okay? Going back to that dream. Okay. So then I believe that uh, that's, that was the 
the vats, the oil, you know, wrap the the other one, the other the the one that come up. I think that that it, just in case I didn't make it clear, I believe I did. But the one who came up uh, is is going through. Uh, they're being disciplined in a harder way to be brought into the death of self will. Okay, the death of self will into obedience, into alignment with God. Amen. Into alignment. Okay. And then whenever the then we left, the van broke down. It was green. I think that represents life. I believe the breaking down, I think God is saying that life as we know it is breaking down right now. And we know it is. Take a look around. You don't even need prophecy to see that this is happening. But prophecy confirms what we're seeing and it gives us prophecy. You know, hearing God tells us what to do about it. And uh, like, you know, no fear, just faith, hear God, obey, rest in God, trust in God, knowing that he's in control. Amen. No matter what, for those that uh, that have surrendered the easy way, you won't, you know, God's going to protect you. You're going to be where you need to be, doing what you need to be, do during the, you know, during that time, and you're gonna, it's going to be okay. But for those that are rebellious, they're going to have to learn the hard way. Okay. It's just like I tell, you know, my son when he was little now. When he was little, of course, not now. But if I tell him something, you know, I would tell him maybe two or three times. Maybe I'd give him a warning. That was the easy way. He could have submitted, but he didn't. So then, guess what? I'd bring out the belt. That's right. He'd get a couple swats, and he'd know that mom or daddy meant business and that we wasn't going to put up with this rebellion. And so he had to feel a little bit of pain to get his attention because just talking to him and telling him, you know, things and then even threatening didn't do it. So he had to he had to experience the pain because his, his parents, we had to bring him into alignment. We had to uh, protect him from doing whatever it was that would have hurt him. We had to make sure that he understood that that was not acceptable. We could not do that. And so that's good parenting, okay? That's good parenting, and God is a good parent. Okay, and I never delighted in having to spank my children, but I would do it if I had to. I'd try other methods. I knew for my daughter I never had to whip her. I knew how to get her uh, into alignment just by talking to her, and she was easier, but my son, he was a hard-headed. <laughs> hard-headed. <laughs> he was rebellious, and sometimes, yes, he got the belt. <laughs> Okay, I think my daughter maybe got one spank in her whole childhood. My my son ain't no telling. <laughs> but he will tell you now that he, he's thankful. He's very thankful. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, now that farm. Let's talk about that farm a little bit. Um, guys, I don't know if this is, um, if this time frame that my daughter received, I believe it was, uh, uh, symbolism of God speaking to her and uh you know and, and he said three years well, you have three years to get ready three years and uh, so Tom so that went right along with what God was already saying to me for me it was a confirmation now whether it was exact if, if God is that time exact is is the you know there's not going to be complete famine for three years I'm not sure, but it does go in line with what God told me that I'm holding back the tide of evil. I'm giving my people more time to get 
prepared. I do believe that things are going to come down in September. That's going to be a shaking. It's going to be an awakening. So more people will start preparing, listening to God, doing whatever God is saying. To Guys, I believe that God is, is going to bring us out. If we'll listen to him, he's bringing us out of the system of this world before it collapses. I believe that's what he's doing. He's, wor he's working to bring us out of the systems of this world before, before the collapse. So that we are not, which we're not going to be forced into the beast system. We're not going to be, we're not, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, we'd rather die than take the mark of the beast. We'd rather, you know, die than do that. Um, but, you know, I see and I believe that God has a plan for his people. He does. I know he does. We don't know how it's all going to work. But every day we're getting more revelation. Every day God is telling us more and helping us to understand more. And here's the key. Just draw close to God. Uh, you know, if you've got stuff in your life you shouldn't, that interferes with your ability to hear God. It interferes with your conscience. You just need to turn from that. You don't need it. It's the open door to the devil. So you need to get the devil out of your life. Shut the door. Surrender your whole heart to God. If we surrender now, you know, we do it the easy way, then we won't have to do it the hard way. And uh, God is merciful. He's kind. And listen to me, it's not too late. And I know some of you, God's telling you to do things, and you're saying, it's, it's too late. It's too late. But no, I'm telling you, it's not too late. Do whatever God is telling you to do. And, uh, you know, if the money is not there, then stand and believe God for the finances for it. And uh, God has a way, and he is going to provide, but he needs us to hear him and to listen to him. Okay, I have one more scripture that I'd like to read. And it's just, it's, it's encouragement to us. It's a Psalm of David. It's Psalm 37, 1 through 7. It says, Do not fret yourself with evildoers, and do not be envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon weather like the grass and fade as the green herb. Trust in Jehovah and do good. You shall dwell in the land and you shall be fed on truth. Delight yourself also in Jehovah and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Roll your way on Jehovah. Trust also in him and he will work. And he shall bring forth your righteousness like the light and your judgment like the noonday. Judgment is always is not always a bad thing, guys. It's not. For those that are in alignment with God, judgment is good. Even though we don't want to see people suffer. But if that suffering will bring them to God and save them from hell, literally going to hell, or if they're born again, save them from the hell that's coming upon this earth, then we don't like it, we don't want it, but... It's necessary. It's necessary. Okay, sorry, I'm going to back, jump back down to my scripture. And he shall bring forth your righteousness like the light, and your judgment like the noonday. Rest in Jehovah and wait patiently for him. Do not fret yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of him who practices wickedness. Guys, God wants us to, we know that there's, you know, there's there's so people out there are so evil. I mean, really doing evil things, guys, to just working to destroy the people on the earth, working to, you know, the Antichrist people, those who love the devil and who loves his ways, and they're they're in the beast system, and uh, 
and they love their wickedness and they they don't have no love for anybody you know and then there's there's other people they're just good people they're good people they're not they're not seeking to serve the devil and destroy humanity but they're just you know they don't know the lord and uh for them you know many of them will come in in um through the things that's coming and even some of those the very wicked people who who are working for satan i believe even some of these those will see the light and come in but some some absolutely will not but guys god has good things he has good things in store for those who belong to him and who love him but we have to trust him and we have to align with him and listen to him so that he can lead us and guide us he can't lead us stubborn old mule so we can't be stubborn old mules we have to be obedient sensitive to the lord and just listen to him and do whatever he says in faith and uh guys if you'll just do that he'll do the rest he'll he will he'll do the rest he will take care of us no matter what maybe you're not in a position where you can grow your own food or whatever you know just do whatever god tells you to do you know this is what the lord is telling me to do us to do and i know he's telling many to do it so that we can help take care of other people um but whatever he's telling you to do it's going to take care of you he has a plan to take care of you so love him and trust him and obey him and everything is going to be just fine i love you guys talk to you later bye-bye Hey everybody, it's Hummingbird027 here. Today is October 26th, 2015. So some interesting developments happening today in the Middle East, particularly with Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. going to discuss a little bit of this. Um, as you know, Isaiah 17, Psalms 83, Jeremiah 49, all of these things are in full swing. For those of you who are new to Bible prophecy and newbie Christians, please understand that our time here on the internet is becoming very limited. And I have a lot, a lot of videos that you need to catch up on. Download them, distribute them, keep them in their context, and make sure that you are catching up on all of this because things are happening super quick. Super quick. And God's going to show up in the clouds any day now, folks. Not kidding anymore. Our need to become overcomers, to have our garments wrinkle-free, clean and bright, are very important at this time. It should be the main focus, the priority of your life. Not anyone else, not anything else, but that of the Son of God, Lord Jesus Christ. So along with uh, Russia beginning to bleed into Syria, more Russian soldiers are likely to be deployed into Syria. Also, Russia is overriding Middle East cyber waves by boosting its two extremities with the state-of-the-art electronic warfare systems. Moscow has imposed a new reality whereby it will soon be almost impossible for any air or ground forces, American or Israeli, to go into military action above or inside Syria or Iraq without prior coordination with the Russians. The bricks of Russian domination are now almost in place. Folks, I propose 
that Isaiah 17 will probably take place before any of this happens, which is very interesting because it is absolutely the setup for Ezekiel 38 and 39. Folks, my biggest thing, and I still cling to this with all of my might, and no one else talks about this ever on the Internet, is Zechariah chapter 9. It absolutely parallels Zephaniah chapter 2. It is the before and after of this biblical event that is about ready to take place. Hezbollah, I believe, is the catalyst for the Psalms 83, Isaiah 17, Middle East War. Hezbollah is creeping up on Israel's Golan border, relying on Russian military cover. Wholly preoccupied with the ferocious Palestinian terror campaign washing over their country, Israelis have scarcely noticed that Hezbollah forces, believing they are protected by the Russian military presence in Syria, are creeping towards Israel's northeast Golan border. Also, coupled with this is Obadiah. Folks, I put out a video. Please download it. Watch it ASAP because I have about two months and supposedly once YouTube Red begins, all of my videos will become private and I will have no way to get them out to anyone. Um, we'll find out in a few days, October 28th, when YouTube Red starts and you have to pay to actually post videos on YouTube. Um, what's really going to go down, what's really going to happen, I think a lot of people are going to get on there, pay the subscription fee, and they're going to start uh, continuing to do their same old, same old. And I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to start getting prosecuted in a court of law uh, because of hate speech. You know, God is the hate speech now. <laughs> um, Obadiah... Psalms 83 and the destruction of Edom and Tyre in the description box below. It's a three-hour video. You can cut to the chase by going to the last hour of the video and understand what Bible prophecies are coming to pass right now. Jordan is about ready to be totally devastated, folks. Anyone who is in Jordan and you're hearing this, Ammon and Moab... Folks, you need to uh, pay attention. You need to look and see what's going on around you. Yahweh is coming, folks. And he's not happy. He is not happy with what's going on with Israel. It's his land, and he gave it to the 12 tribes of Israel. This will come to pass with or without you. You can be on the side of Yahweh. God Almighty in heaven, or you can choose to go against him and probably be slaughtered if he doesn't have mercy on you in the process. Why is this so important for you? Because you have a chance to understand what real love is, to seek absolute truth. And the only way to know that what I'm saying is accurate is to seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open unto you. Find the truth. It is out there. Don't just settle for what everybody tells you. 
Get a brain. Use those brain cells. And get out there and get you some knowledge. Go to the Lord and get some wisdom. Folks, these prophecies are startling, startling me. They're happening so quickly. It's almost time, folks. The bride is being prepared. She is going to be raptured from the earth. And when this moment comes and goes, those who are not in this man-child group, those who are not a part of this bride, some serious repenting is going to come to the lukewarm who have been spewed out of God's mouth and left behind. I am also still watching for an Ethiopian envoy or an ambassador, a special party outside of the United Nations Security Council who are going to come and say, look, Israel is the contention of all of our heartaches here in the Middle East. We need to do something about this. Read Obadiah. Understand what the first five verses of Obadiah are really pointing towards. Once you get the first five verses, jump to verse 7. Very important. All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. I want you to understand specifically that these seven verses directly reference Jeremiah chapter 49, Isaiah chapter 17, and bringing in Egypt, Isaiah 19 verses 11 through 12. Folks, 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 check this out with Isaiah 17 verse 6 in Obadiah verse 5. If the thieves came to thee, that's actually referencing Jeremiah 49 and 9. If robbers, robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they have had enough? Till they had enough. If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? That specifically references Isaiah 17 verse 6. For those who have ears to hear will hear what is being stated. All of these things must come to pass at this time because the Jewish people are going to expand in the land surrounding them. Every time her enemies come against her, they are defeated by the Almighty in heaven himself. Only he gets praise and glory forever and ever. Amen. Once this necessary Middle East war takes place, the final exodus begins. Not out of Israel, not out of the land given to the 12 tribes, but back into the land. From all of the nations, God is going to gather his people back into his land in mass. The nations are going to pay for the Jewish people, the Israelites, to go back 
into their land. All but a diabolical and sinister plot by the Luciferians is being concocted. Little do they know that Yahweh is going to turn their evil and sinister plans to gather all the Israelites back into the land so they can destroy them in one blow. Little do they know that God himself is going to intervene in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and destroy all of their armies in the northern mountains of Israel. They think to do an evil thing, but God is going to use it for his good, his glory, and praise for God Almighty in heaven only. So we see a lot of interesting events coming to pass. The truth will be known at all times. It will come out. Don't ever think that you can hide in your lies, that you can hide in your false light and your false truth because the light pierces the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. Obviously, you want to be in the light. U.S. has spied on Israel prepared to destroy Israeli bombers to protect Iran. The U.S. moved carriers into the region to prevent Israeli craft from attacking suspected Iranian nuclear plant. Ah, but Jeremiah 49 will come to pass in spite of this man's efforts to hate God's people. In an explosive report, we learn that ever since 2012, the U.S. has been spying on Israel in order to prevent the Jewish state from attacking suspected Iranian nuclear sites, according to Friday's Wall Street Journal. The White House had sent an additional aircraft carrier to the region after learning that Israeli aircraft had flown into Iranian airspace in what U.S. officials feared was a test run for an attack on Iran's Fordo plant. The carriers had attacked aircraft on board prepared to respond to any Israeli attack on Iran. If that wasn't enough to strain the conceit that the U.S. is Israel's strongest supporter, folks, we still are. I love Israel with all of my heart, and I will support her till my last dying breath. But this U.S. regime has no, no say in our Christian love for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Folks, 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 if you understood the real truth, you would not be deceived by all the lies being touted today and thrown around like confetti. So folks, I can go on and on and on with the news, and quite frankly, um... You guys know how to get the news yourself. What I would like to concentrate on in these last few months that I probably have left on the Internet um, is to think about ways that I can still get information out to people. I may end up having to uh, uh, try and, I don't know. Um, you can always find my information on hummingbird027.com. Um, I know that I get lots of subscribers on that channel. Um, also, I'm going to be restarting my Hummingbird Maven site again, and I may end up uh, 
trying to do some type of uh, newspaper that I send out that way. I don't really know what to do anymore in podcasts. Um, I don't really have the spare money to actually start a podcast and um, get that started. If anybody has any other options for me, that'd be great. Hummingbird0777 at gmail.com. Drop me some information. Maybe I can take some of that and continue on here. Um, but I won't be paying YouTube their $10 fee. Um, that's basically just you are paying YouTube to go on their site. All of your work will be monetized at that point, which will put you under the category of copyright infringement. If you say something that is copyright infringement or breaking their rules or breaking their laws, folks, we are entering international laws now, and you're paying to be a part of that, they can basically bring you into the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the ITT, and all of these international treaties that are being formed right now, um, unaware to 90% of the population of the Earth at this time. Um, so I will not be participating in that. And quite frankly, if I tried to join, I don't know if I'm actually going to get time on there. And if I did, I would absolutely be booted off of the Internet. So I'm up for anybody's um, um, advice, suggestions on what I could possibly do. Like I said, hummingbird0777 at gmail.com. Drop me your thoughts. I want to talk really quickly about this article at jcpa.org. The Alaska is in danger, libel, the history of a lie. So this is one of the neatest articles I've run across in quite a while. Palestinians often hear from their leaders that a Muslim holy site in Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa Mosque, is in danger of collapse and the Jews are to blame. Whether printed in cartoons, preached in mosques, or taught in schools, the lie is accepted as common knowledge across the Arab world. Millions of Muslims accept it as truth. The message is clear. Jews seek to expel the Arabs from Jerusalem. The lie is nothing new. For the past century, Palestinian leaders have told the Alaska Mosque is in danger. Lie in order to incite their people to attack Jews it is important to expose and counter this fabrication because it remains a spark that can lead to bloodshed. Nadav, a veteran journalist and Jerusalem expert, has written the authoritative study on the history of the lie. His work is presented on this site chapter by chapter. It is available in PDF or ebook format. You just come to these links here and click on that information. Below are five facts that you should know about Al-Aska Mosque. Political cartoons and major newspapers throughout the Arab world accuse Israel of seeking to undermine and destroy the Dome of the Rock and the mosque. As you can just pause the video and see how everybody thinks that they're digging underneath it. Why was this mindset actually put in place? Because a rabbi thought that he actually found uh, the Ark of the Covenant underneath the Alaska Mosque 
And uh, I don't believe this is actually truthful, factual, because if you do any studies into Ron Wyatt and the 24 chromosomes of Jesus Christ, in the description box below is a series of videos I did that explain that Ron Wyatt actually found the Ark of the Covenant, and it is not underneath the Alask Mosque. And uh, quite frankly, it will be revealed in time that Jesus actually bled from Golgotha onto the Ark of the Covenant, and which sealed the deal, folks. It actually happened. Um, watch those videos. Download them, record them, keep them. Tell as many people about it as possible. The Ark of the Covenant is under where Jesus Christ was crucified. And just in case you think you're going to get a hair up your butt and go try and find it yourself, there are angels still guarding it, so beware. Number two, in fact, Muslim construction in the area under the mosques known as Solomon's Stables endanger the foundation and destroys archaeological treasures. And as you can see, some of the destruction in 1999 when the Muslim religious authorities converted Solomon's Stables into a mosque. For the past century, Palestinian leaders have denied the existence of a Jewish temple in Jerusalem and accused Israel of planning attacks on the mosques. As you can see, these fine gentlemen here <laughs> in fire and blood ready to destroy anyone who comes against their ideologies. Number four, the archaeological digs that Israel has conducted over the years near the Temple Mount far from the mosques are a laudable scientific and cultural endeavor. Since liberating Jerusalem in 1967 from Jordanian occupation, Israel has protected religious sites of all faiths and ensured freedom of worship for all people. I want to talk a little bit about the history of the Temple Mount. It's becoming the main focal point for the international community all the enemies of Yahweh and of Israel. And uh, pretty much this is going to be the focal point of the seven-year tribulation. The Israeli relinquishment of the Temple Mount. Folks, I'm going to say right here point blank that I do not believe personally after my many years of studying the Bible that this should have never have happened. They should never have relinquished the Temple Mount to anyone. God always talks about, in the Old Testament, taking down all false idols, taking down all the high places, destroying them utterly. He is the only way. This has always been God's way. I'm going to get to that part in just a few minutes. So, the most relevant factual basis for disproving the Al-Aska Mosque is in danger, Libel, is as noted, the de facto Israeli relinquishment of the Temple Mount for which I could find no precedent in any other country or religion. The birth father of this relinquishment, which for years has been called the status quo on the Temple Mount, was Moshe Dayan, who served as Israeli defense minister during the Six-Day War. The thrilling liberation of the Western Wall and the Temple Mount was documented in detail in dozens of publications that appeared after the war. Even the cry of paratroop commander Mordecai Gur into his field radio, the Temple Mount is in our hands, 
entered the pantheon of national symbols of the state of Israel. And yet the reality that Israel devised on the Temple Mount and the heavy limitation it imposed on itself there were very far from the euphoria of the liberation itself and the overwhelming encounter with the place where the two temples of the Jewish people had stood in the past, long the focal point of its spiritual life. After the Six-Day War, the reality that Israel devised on the Temple Mount and the heavy limitation it imposed on there contravened in many ways everything that believing Jews pray for every day. The reality that the State of Israel created at the site indeed contravened in many ways everything that believing Jews, keepers of the Torah and the commandments, Revelation chapter 14, pray for and mention in their prayers every day that the temple be rebuilt speedily in our days and there will serve you there we will serve you in reverence as in the days of old and in the former years dan's first act on the temple mount only a few hours after idf's chief rabbi shlomo goren blew the shofar and gave the i cannot pronounce that excuse me Blessing beside the western wall was to immediately remove the Israeli flag that the paratroopers had raised on the mountain. I would have been utterly shocked if I were standing there. Dayan's second act was to clear out the paratroop company that was supposed to remain permanently stationed in the northern part of the mount. Dan rejected the insistent pleas of the head of central command, Uzai Narcus, who tried to prevent him from taking this measure. Narcus reminded Dan that Jordan too had stationed a military contingent on the mount to maintain order, and that long ago the Romans had done the same, deploying a garrison force in the Etonian fortress that Herod had built near the mount. But Dan was not persuaded. He told Narcus that it seemed to him the place would have to be left in the hands of Muslim guards despite harsh criticism from religious and nationalist circles, Dan, just a few hours after his first public announcement to the Israeli people about the holy places and particularly the Temple Mount, succinctly stated, we have returned to the holiest of our places, never to be parted from them again. We did not come to conquer the sacred sites of others or to restrict their religious rights, but rather to ensure the integrity of the city and to live in it with others in fraternity. I want to point out right now, when in the Old Testament specifically was this ever okay with God? Never. It was never okay with God. And in fact, the very compromising with the people which surround Israel in order to live in a false peace always led to Israel's unfaithfulness, disobedience, and ultimate judgment by their God, Lord Yahweh in heaven. Here Dan behaved as the successor of David Ben-Gurion, who already during the War of Independence of July 1948, when it appeared that the Jewish Forces were about to conquer the old city, ordered by David Shatil and Haganan, or Haganah, commander in Jerusalem, to prepare a special force, loyal and disciplined, that will use 
without mercy a machine gun against any Jew who tries to rob or desecrate the holy place, Christian or Muslim. Ben-Gurion also recommended that Shatil mine the entrances to the holy places so as to prevent harm to them. Nineteen years later, a few hours after Dayan's decision, he summoned Prime Minister Eshkol and the heads of the religious communities and promised them that the places that were holy to them would not be harmed. Eshkol, for his part, announced that the chief rabbis of Israel that they would be responsible for arrangements in the vicinity of the Western Wall and promised the religious leaders of the Christian and Muslim communities that they would continue to determine the arrangements at the place holy to them, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the Temple Mount. His most significant act on the Temple Mount, which sparked controversy over the years, was widely criticized, was to forbid Jewish prayer and worship there. We just saw this a few days ago by Netanyahu. Unlike the arrangements that emerged Machpelah Cave in Hebron, where there is also a functioning mosque, Dayan decided to leave the mount and its management in the hands of the Muslim walks, while at the same time insisting that Jews would be able to visit it, but not pray at it, without restriction. Dayan thought, and years later even commented, or committed the thought to writing, that since for Muslims, the mount is a Muslim prayer mosque, while for Jews it is no more than a historical site of commemoration of the past, one should not hinder the Arabs from behaving there as they now do. The Israeli defense minister believed that Islam must be allowed to express its religious sovereignty, as opposed to national sovereignty over the mount, and the Arab-Israeli conflict must be kept on the territorial national level and that the potential for the conflict between the Jewish religion and the Muslim religion must be removed. Folks, this is a total setup by Lucifer to create religious division and bring in the Antichrist to mend the differences. Do you see how beautifully this was all planned out? <laughs> it's creepy, folks. How creepy. This is all falling into place. But God is not mocked, folks. So in granting the Jews the right to visit the mount, Dayan sought to placate the Jewish demands for worship and sovereignty there and giving religious sovereignty over to the mount to the Muslims. He believed he was diffusing the site as a center of Palestinian nationalism. Always man's uh, understanding fails for him to obey the will of God. Always. It's always man's fault. And it's a distinctive fault that is repeated over and over again throughout all the Old Testament and even into the New Testament where we somehow think that our understanding of love and goodwill towards men and all this is better than God's. Folks, we learn this lesson the hard way every single time. 
You can go through all of this information and understand what the Protection of the Holy Places Law in 1967 and all of the laws that were set up at this time all on your own, but basically, you know, in June of 1967, Defense Minister Moshe Dayan uh, announces that the WACs and the heads of the Supreme Muslim Council, that they will be able to administer the compound themselves, while the Jews will be able to visit, but not pray there. Yep, that's what all these guys are sitting here doing. Doesn't it kind of remind you of the Mufti and Hitler <laughs> sitting there together? I'm not saying that Defense Minister Dayan was Hitler, so to speak, but folks, evil comes in many disguises. And, um, you know, the sins of the forefathers are definitely carried out to the sons and daughters up to, what was it, like four or five generations. And believe it or not, today... What's going on in the Middle East right now is a direct result of that little meeting that took place in this picture right here. God didn't want any of this. Do you think he wanted us to go through all this sorrow and suffering, especially for his people, Israel? No, that was not how it was supposed to be. So we're getting to the meat of the article here and one in which I really, 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 really want to stress at this time because this is where we're at in Bible prophecy. This is where we're at the close of the age of man. And um, this is the end of the 6,000 year. This is the end of the age of man's government. And this is the beginning the setting stage for the government of God, the kingdom of God to be fully manifest on the earth and a thousand years of peace under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is about ready to take place, folks. So an even wider consensus is embodied in the almost comprehensive Halkaic ruling that it is forbidden to present to build the third temple for which Jews yearn in their prayers. This opinion is common to both rabbis who now permit entry to the Temple Mount and those who prohibit it. The rabbis categorically forbid building the temple. Whether the proposal entails building it in place of the mosques or within the Mount compound, but without harming them, the possibility of the building the temple is negated for several reasons. These are the main reasons. Number one, the view that building the temple will be allowed only with the coming of Messiah. Let me read you a scripture here real quick. John chapter 5 verse 43. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. This is the very reason for the rapture of the bride of Christ. The very reason that the man-child is taken. The first fruits of this earth are taken off of the earth in order for God to turn his attention to the Israelites. This is the message strictly for them. John 5 verses 44 to the end of the chapter. 
How can you believe which you which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? I can just see the steam coming out of some of your ears. Time to take a cold shower, folks, and humble thyself before an almighty God. What if he is right and you be wrong? That every man is a liar and God is truthful. Number two, many believe that the third temple will not be built in human times but will descend complete from the heavens. Number three, a good many more view the contemporary generation as lacking a sufficient level of spirituality, purity, and maturity to be worthy of the temple. Number four, the Halaic obstacle to the entry of Jews to the mount and the absence of the red heifer, which there may actually be this red heifer in Texas, whose ash, according to the Jewish sources, served in ancient times to purify Jews defiled by death. Number five, the fear of an interreligious clash between Islam and Judaism involving harm to Jews and Jews' religion targets all over the world. So now I'm going to close with some thoughts that I had this morning after reading this article and and really just kind of pouring over the news and what's really going on in the Middle East. This is really man's failures. But man's failures do not frustrate the purposes of God. Romans 11, 1 through 12. You can look at this in one of two ways. On the national level, for every nation that has ever uh, tried to live a righteous life. Let's say, for example, right now, we see America falling to pieces. It's morally corrupt. And we see Russia, who is rising up, apparently um, dealing with righteousness. All will become truthful in the end, folks. Um, God judges unrighteousness. He must chastise those whom he loves because there's too much at stake. Hell is what is at stake here. Too many people that go to hell, even one human soul that inhabits hell is so utterly hurtful to our Lord and Savior that he went beyond the call of duty to do what he could to teach man not to go there. And he does it every day through his prophets, his saints, and those whom have the spirit and are out there doing the work daily. So there's also the individual part of this. So when you're listening to this um, teaching, this message, think about both parts. Your place in God's plan for you and the nations and their plan that is in play right now 
according to God's plan. So, is Israel's failure a fatal error at this point? Paul does some pretty interesting uh, expounding here upon this in chapter Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 12. At this point in Paul's epistle to the Romans, there is no question that Israel has miserably failed. Worse yet, they are without excuse for the rejection of Jesus as their Messiah. The remaining question is simple. Is there any hope for Israel in view of her willing, willful rebellion against God and her rejection of God's Messiah? The answer to this question is quite confident. Israel's hope is sure. The God who started his work with Israel will bring that work to completion. For sake of brevity of this uh, video, you can read these for yourself at Bible.org. Uh, and you can find that link at Hummingbird027.com. Uh, it does take a little while to upload. Um, I'm having major issues uploading any videos these days. I'm under constant attack, and yes, some days it's uh, more than I can bear. So the words of these texts are not only for the Jews, folks. Remember, God is dealing with the whole human race at this time. He wants to save everyone from every nation, from every race, from every color, from every creed. He wants them to know the truth because the truth sets you free. And men were made to be free. Paul will apply the failure of the Jews to the Gentile saints in verses 13 through 32. Better yet, the reason for Israel's blessings are also applicable, applicable to the Gentiles. The basis for Paul's hope and confidence for the nation Israel is also the basis for the Christian's hope and confidence. One can read many books on success and and be encouraged by commentary on failure. But basically, we have to find hope that rests in God alone. Paul had been dealing with the gospel as it related to the Jews and the Gentiles. In his day, as in our own, the Jews have failed to attain righteousness before God. Not because they failed to work at it, but because they did work for it. Gentiles, on the other hand, attained righteousness because they did not work for it, but simply received Christ's righteousness by faith. This is the ongoing tension that continually keeps a dividing wedge between Jews and Christians. The Gentiles have gained without effort what Israel failed to gain by her efforts. Israel's condition from the perspective of God's sovereignty is the outworking of God's sovereign choice or election. Those who do not believe in Jesus as God's Messiah are those whom God has not chosen to become true Israelites, true sons of Abraham. God has nevertheless chosen a small remnant of true Israelites who believe in Jesus as their Messiah 
and who guarantee the hope of Israel by preserving this nation for a time of future restoration and blessing. This is the thrust of Romans chapter 9. Basically, we are watching this in real-time action right now. It is manifesting itself upon the world. And there is, um, while this is being birthed into the world or made manifest, coming into existence, there is a lot of contractions, pains, sufferings, the ripping apart of truths, untruths, and the restructuring of beliefs. This is pretty much the focal point of why man tries to act according to his own understanding and knowledge of how to love himself and neighbors, but he doesn't quite get it. When we start trying to understand human responsibility, we start failing in the will of God. Israel's condition is explained in terms of human responsibility. While it is true that those who are not true Israelites were not divinely chosen, it is also true that they reject the Messiah. Israel's unbelief is also the result of her willful rejection of the truth of the gospel, which God revealed in the Old Testament and again put a magnifying glass on it in the New Testament and disseminated the intents of the heart. It was an outward fleshly thing in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is what's going on in your thoughts, in your mind, that you're putting into your heart. Those thoughts that you think, if you put them in your heart, you will do those. God is trying to put a magnifying glass on our intents. If our intents are not aligned with the will of God, we fail, we disobey, and then we have to repent if we are so lucky to be aware that we have to repent because we've sinned. The Old Testament scriptures often spoke of him who was to come to save condemned sinners. The prophets who spoke of him were rejected, persecuted, and even put to death. And when Jesus came and presented himself to his people as their Messiah, they rejected him as their king. We have no king but Caesar. Their leaders cried out to Pilate, John 19 and 15. Their guilt was undeniable and inexcusable. This guilt, Paul stresses in Romans chapter 10. Now that the causes of Israel's unbelief have been explored in chapters 9 and 10, Paul turns to the consequences of her unbelief in chapter 11. Notice that it falls in chapter 11. 11 is division, disillusionment. Folks, look it up. Philologos, I think it's .com, or E.W. Bullinger's Numbers and Scriptures. Does Israel's willful rebellion and rejection of the gospel mean that God has written off his people? Are all of Israel's hopes for the future gone? Does Israel's future and their failure 
mean God is finished with her? Absolutely not. Y'all better understand that God made some pretty serious promises about his people Israel that let me just give one scriptural example. Second Samuel 7 and 16. Very important piece of scripture. You could basically hand, hang the hat of all of God's plan and man's woes on this scripture. It literally is. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. In verses 1 through 12, in which we are dealing with here in Romans, Paul explains why Israel's hopes are very much alive. In verses 13 through 32, Paul turns to the Gentiles, pointing out the lessons they need to learn from Israel's failures. In verses 33 through 36, Paul concludes the arguments of chapters 9 through 11, catch it, 9-11, with an outpouring of praise based on the wisdom of our God. The question is raised in verse 1. I say then God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. The question Paul raises here is very logical. Israel's hope for the future seems quite dim indeed. Look at what is going on right now in the world. It is quite dim indeed. Israel has willfully and inexcusably rejected Jesus as her Messiah. While it is true that Israel has always been stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and in ears, Acts 7 and 51, this time the Israelites have rejected the Messiah in person. As the parable which Jesus himself told before says they have rejected the servants of God, the prophets, but now they have rejected the Son. See Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46. Have they gone too far? Is it all over? This is where it starts to get really confusing. And a lot of people, you know, no matter how well-intentioned their little brains are, they are completely wrong and they're being false teachers for teaching replacement theology. No one can replace Israel, period. Not the Gentiles, not a Christian, no one can replace Israel. You are missing the whole point of God's broader picture. You are only seeing things through a very small eyeglass. You are not looking at the total picture here. God's purpose is much broader including both Jews and Gentiles, and it explains this in this chapter. Now, I find this very interesting, and since I have basically been convicted and um, set in truth of God's creation being a, the earth is a plane, not a planet, <laughs> I'm very serious about this, these scriptures all of a sudden begin to start making sense. Check this out. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, 
who stirs up the seas so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed other departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, If the heavens can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for all they have done, declares the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 35 through 37. Also see chapter 33, 25 through 26. Now some of you totally grasp that scripture right away because you understand what the flat earth is and why it is the true creation, the firmament of heaven. <laughs> could it be, and I'm going to make the suggestion as a speculative, could it be that the very reasons why the UN and all the nations gathered together and shot up a whole bunch of nuclear weapons into the sky was to figure out the contours of our firmament, our solid dome above our heads, was it to measure where it is? <laughs> Remember, folks, Satan wants to get rid of the Jews so that God cannot fulfill his promises. This kind of stuff is not actually blatantly talked about in the Holy Bible. You actually have to study the Bible. You have to be an investigative researcher to determine the underlying intentions and the workings of good and evil, of God and Satan. So my only other part of this is that no one has been able to search the foundations of the earth below. Isn't that interesting? How many people in recorded history have actually been inside the earth? Well, we know Enoch has because he wrote his whole testimony about it, which is totally, you know, applying to our daily lives every day right now. Enoch was a prophet for before the flood and at the end of the age. He was a prophet both of the beginning and the end, which I think is very interesting, which is why another reason why I believe he is one of the two witnesses. But think about it. Only a few other people in my previous videos on the flat earth have actually even seen a portion of what is inside the earth. No one has actually been able to measure it. No one's actually been able to be that deep below. So God's word is true. He obviously understands that no one is able to accomplish this, which is why he can very firmly and confidently tell us that this ain't going to happen. <laughs> I digress. So Israel's future rests in God and his faithfulness to perform that which he promised. Paul states this later in the 11th chapter of Romans, and for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Verse 29. Paul's response, may it never be, seems to be a reflection of two things. First, it re expresses Paul's strong reaction to the mere possibility that God might fail to fulfill his promises. How could anyone even conceive the thought that God would fail to fulfill his word? 
Second, it expresses Paul's strong reaction as a Jew. Paul thus reminds his readers that he is a Jew and that Israel's hope is his own hope. Paul's reaction is equally appropriate for any Gentile believer. If God fails to fulfill his promises to the Jews, how can any Gentile feel secure about the promises God has made for the Gentiles? Let there be no doubt about it. God will fulfill his promises. Verse 2 through 12 explains Paul's strong affirmation. So here we are. We are watching things happen almost minute by minute right now just become so chaotic. But within all this chaos that is being stirred up by Satan and all of his demons right now and evil men, we know God's promises are sure. We can build our homes on them. We can build our life, our foundation upon God's promises. It is so important that you stand on the rock because the waves are coming. And whatever hay house you built is going to be washed away. If you built your house on sand, it will be washed away. This separation is occurring right now. How are your foundations? How are your pillars? Ask yourself these things daily. Make sure your house is strong. It is so important to have obedience unto the Father in Heaven at this time. I cannot stress this enough. And I have done so for going on four years now on this channel. When you learn God's voice, which is, if you're a new Christian, if you are dis discovering all of this and it's all freaking you out, you need to be calm and find that place of rest inside of you. Go into the silence. And go before the throne of God and find out how to determine his voice. You know your father's voice. You know your mother's voice. You know those whom you are intimately connected with every day. You know their voice. If you were blind, you would know their voice right off the bat. <coughs> This is what God wants of us. Know his voice first. Then the next hard part is following his voice. Walking with God every day. It is so contrary to everything you've ever known and done in this life. You will go against your parents. You will go against your family members. You will go against your spouses. You will go against your siblings. You will go against your employers. And you will go against your employees. Division is necessary. 
our walk with the Lord must be like Enoch's. Enoch walked with the Lord for a couple hundred years. In this time, he learned so much that he was able to give up this world to have Christ, to have God, that pearl of great price. And once he got that, just think of it. For over 5,000 years, Enoch has been in the will of the Father. That is significant. I don't know any other human being that's ever existed that can say that. And above all of this, now we have the contrasts in our lives. Obedience is becoming a nasty and dirty word among Christians, and it kills my heart, folks. It brings such sorrow and grief to my spirit that it really just saddens me that people don't want God a part of their lives. It makes me crazy, actually. There are days I cry and cry and cry because I can't understand why no one sees how loving and wonderful God is, how much he does for us every day. And just like ancient Israel, we keep doing our own things. Going our own way. We have been taught for so long in the lie, which is why I had to do the series on the flat earth and disclose to everyone what psychological tools that the enemy uses, such as the Hegelian dialectic, is about. Why I had to disseminate on all of this, because these are tools that the enemies use against us, unsuspecting Christians, those of us who refuse to study, who refuse to become approved in the Word of God, who refuse to learn how to use the sword, the Word of God, in everyday life. For generations, we have been taught by secular teachers to avoid these words like obedience, unless it's obedience to the system. This is exactly what the Nazi agenda tried to instill in so many Germans for so long. We can point the finger at a lot of problems. Uh, we could blame a lot of things, one of which is a lack of discipline in our own homes and schools, um, which is an important factor in the progressive decline of our students in schools. Why drugs are now the outlet for all the troubles of the world. You know, this complacent, lukewarm spirit that men and women carry around with them all throughout the earth and every nation does not give us the strength that God wants us in us to overcome. He wants us to be overcomers. He does not want us to fall into the dreamy world again. He does not want us to smoke pot and forget our troubles. He doesn't want us to pop pills and say, oh, this is a cure-all for everything. This is not what God wants of us. He wants us to be strong 
and to be strong in Him and Him alone. That's a very lonely road, folks. It's just you and God. But you've got to make this journey because few there are that find it. And there's even fewer still who have the courage to tread it. The importance of obedience in the Old Testament is well understood. It is it is sort of shown in the New Testament. But I have so many issues with Paul and how he taught with the Gentiles and his argument with Peter that the New Testament is a very difficult subject for me particularly. There are differences in what we are to obey and in the motive of our obedience. But the necessity for obedience is just as great. Paul puts it, we have a choice. We can be slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Romans 6 and 16. Will we obey sin, or will we obey righteousness? Who's slave? Obedient servant will we be. You are one or the other. Choose this day whom you serve. The key to obedience is submission to God. What matters is not external adherence to specific rules, but a heart, your intentions, that is submitted to God. If our heart, our intention, is submitted to God, then we will obey his specific requirements. I believe this is the very heart of the argument between Peter and Paul. The very reason why both of them had to separate and Paul had to leave. Those who want a closer walk with God will chop off those unnecessary parts of their lives. Those who are still learning and growing are not so apt to throw away those little those little things in their life that keep them from the tightest and closest relationship you can possibly have with the Lord. Now remember the Lord wants to be first in your life which is why he made it a commandment. The first four commandments are to love me first. If you can do this, you will understand what it means to truly live. Then love everybody else. That is the last six of the Ten Commandments. If our heart is submitted to God, then we will obey his specific requirements. Each time you understand that requirement, and you put it into effect into your life, you become further away from the world. You become further away from your family. You become closer to God. The heart attitude is crucial. It is so easy to have enmity towards the Lord and say, no, I'm not going to give up my family for you. And God says, I'm not going to stop you. But you're not going to attain all that I have planned for you. The more you say no to me, 
the more I cannot give to you. And God only has good things to give you. And somehow what gets lost in the translation of all of this is that God knows your dreams. He knows your deepest desires of what you want in this physical existence. He knows it. He put it there. But he's not going to let you go after it and get glory for yourself. You've got to relinquish and submit yourself to God so he can get you what he put into you his way. So the circle is complete. What is our motive for this obedience, our submission? There are three basic motives. One is fear. We obey because we fear someone who is more powerful than we are. This does enter into our obedience. Scripture tells us to fear the Lord. And indeed, he is God of awesome power. He is a awesome God. He is capable of great wrath. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10 and 31. At a minimum, we obey him to avoid his wrath and punishment. But there are better motives for obedience. Number two is self-interest. God told Joshua, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1 and 8. Let me use a simple analogy. When we go buy an automobile or any appliance, we receive an owner's manual in which the manufacturer tells us the conditions under which this product must be operated if it is to function well. With an automobile, he tells us what kind of fuel and lubricant to use, how highly to inflate the tires, and when we should perform various operations such as changing the oil or the fluids checking them, change the fan belts, rotate your tires, lubricate, blah, 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 etc., etc. If we do all of these and follow the instructions, we are apt to have a properly functioning vehicle, correct? If we don't follow the instructions, things begin to break and they go wrong. It may be small things at first, but then they lead to big things, which costs a lot of money then in turn causes a lot of complications, frustrations, which complicates our lives. Think of the Bible as the owner's manual. Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. In which our creator has told us the conditions under which his creation, mankind, will function best. If we follow these instructions, we will prosper. In biblical terms, we will be blessed. If we do not follow the instructions, bad things happen. They will happen. In biblical terms, we will be cursed. So if we want to prosper and live fruitful lives, we will follow our Creator's instructions. It's a simple matter of self-interest. 
But God does not want us to submit to him just because of the benefits we hope to get. Israel has lots of tales of that. How increased Israel was in their wealth and prosperity, they end up forgetting about God. What happened? God had to judgment them. He had to slap them down and bring them back to their senses. Take everything away from them and bring them back to the beginning again. So even though material possessions are nice and they make life comfortable and this and that, they are not God. They are not our sustenance. We get our sustenance from the Lord. This is the issue in the book of Job where God allowed Satan to test Job to see if he loved him only because of what God had done for him. See Job chapters 1 and 2. God wants us to love him and obey him for who he is and not just for what he does for us. Number three, love. Our relationship with the automobile manufacturer is impersonal. We don't even know him. Our relationship with God is or should be highly personable. God loves us and we love him. When you love someone, you want to do what pleases him. This is love for God, to obey his commands. 1 John 5 and 3. Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and obey them, he is the one who loves me. John 14 and 21. The primary motive we have for obeying God is that we love him. We want to do what pleases him, and we want as nearly as we can to become like him. A lot of churches teach us these days that this is not possible, when in fact, God commands us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. While all three of these modus enter into our obedience, it is suggested that Particularly since Jesus Christ has come on earth, our primary motive for obedience is and should be our love for God. Even though at times our walk with the Lord seems like we are miles and miles behind him that we're never going to be able to catch up, it is the striving, it is the seeking, it is the groping for God at all times that keeps us heading towards the Lord to clean our garments, to make ourselves like Christ. Remember, folks, Revelation chapter 19 is very specific about the bride. It states, the bride has made herself ready. This is a very personal choice that each of us has to make what we're willing to give up and let go of in this world to have the pearl of great price, which is Jesus Christ. What are you willing to sell to have him?